1: Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday Donald Trump, happy birthday to you. Yes, it's Donald Trump's birthday, it's Flag Day, which I forgot what that means. we got a bunch of things going on, but we got really big news. we got really, really big news, and the really big news is that he's back. Yes, the one and only Bill Fecky, the lovely and talented Bill Fecky, the man that got me started in this ridiculous Block talk thing in the first place, He's back.
2: On Action Radio presents the FECI
0: Report. I heard that for a while. Here I come to save the
2: show. <laughs> There's You're no great. need to fear Action Radio. The FECI Report is here.
1: Here. There's no need to fear. Underdung is here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Just, well, Greg, yeah. it's been a long time, so yeah. happy Thanksgiving, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Ash Wednesday, Solemn Good Friday, Happy Easter. Um, you know, I, I'm sorry I haven't been on the show, but I've been holding my breath these last six months waiting for an apology for calling us conspiracy theorists for the past three years.
1: And who exactly is going to give you this apology, Bill?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> who are you holding your breath for? I, I, Seems a I'm gesture. telling you. I mean, no, helium, uh, it, it might be kind of fun. Then you sound like Donald Duck. <laughs> but that's a different story.
2: So, yeah, so uh, I've, I've had an interesting <laughs> last six months. Uh, you oh. know, I've been having some turmoil at the office that I had to take cool. care of. Right. Um, and I think I finally got to kind of settle down. Um, I had... Mm-hmm foot and ankle surgery, where I had three torn tendons uh, repaired, I had two bones removed from my right foot, Um I finally graduated physical therapy, so I'm still not 100% healed, but I'm moving in that direction, so we're, we're we're getting there.
1: Well, that's the good news, yeah. So did you injure yourself, or was it just one of those things, or, or something happened along the way, or what? I mean, you know, personal stuff you don't have to say, but I'm just curious.
2: No, you know, I don't know how it happened. Um, huh. I, I part of it, I think. I think one of the tears did happen from when I was uh, jogging. You know, old age, heavy weight doesn't uh, old bones don't really go together. Yeah. Um, That's why bike so ride. I think. I, I think. <clears throat> yeah, so I think I did something there. Yeah. And then, yeah. Uh, and then I misdiagnosed myself. I thought it maybe had like plantar fasciitis or something like that. So I was using uh, one of those. Um, uh, deep massage um, handheld things on the bottom mm-hmm. of my foot, and it was just getting worse and worse. Well, it turned out that I had a, a tear at the bottom of my foot, and so I was actually tearing it even more by using that massager. <laughs> oh,
0: that's,
2: wow, that's interesting. Yeah, so much of the self-diagnosis. Yeah, it's always good
1: to get these things checked out. Is a, but then, you know, the, the modern medicine is pretty good, but even then you still have to be careful. Uh, and make sure that what they're actually telling you is true. I mean, they, I think they can confirm things. It's like going to an auto mechanic. You pretty much want to know what's wrong with your car, just so they don't, uh, you know, while oh, well, we're here. Let's replace the radiator, the transmission, and, uh, well, why don't we do the engine, too, just to be on the safe side? You know, <laughs> you've got to be careful that kind of stuff. Correct. You know, as, as one of our local people uh, says, you know, we don't want to, if you're coming for a radiator, radiator hose, you know, I don't want to replace the whole radiator. I'm like, yeah, he does, actually. <laughs> I know that guy. But yeah. That's another story. <laughs> we all know that guy. <laughs> and, <laughs> not, obviously, then I could be a sponsor of the show, so I think I'm okay. But yeah, that's uh, you know, it's, it's funny too because six months, you know, we've had so much COVID information. Talk about misinformation from the government, uh, and it's just it's really bad misinformation from medicine. You know, That's why I'm glad I had my my uh, heart surgery before COVID because I was on a ventilator for because they shut down my heart and lungs. I mean, I was dead for four hours clinically. Um, and so uh, you know, so the ventilators do work when they're used appropriately. But uh, obviously, that was just for the four hours of the surgery. Um, but uh, I wouldn't want to do that now, or have you know, or post COVID, just because I don't trust them anymore—not as much as I did then. So I'm glad I had it then. So yeah, like but, anything else, it's yeah. appropriate. What's appropriate, you go for, and what's not, you sort of question. Like you know, <laughs> the vaccines, which are not safe and effective. Your turn. Correct,
2: and yeah, you know, and we're finding more and more. And you know, the, mm-hmm. the important thing that we're finding out now is the the actual reach of big pharma. And it mm. goes well. Be, it goes well beyond our politicians. It, mm. It's going well beyond TV because big pharma owns TV at this point. They own the yep. politicians at this point. But Billing what we're finding you. out is that they're owning the medical schools now, oh, and that's, and, that's, and, that's and, and they do it in a very quiet way to where mm. even the doctors are being duped. And I think that's what we're seeing right now: is that these doctors are taught in school. You know, this is, this is for this, this is for that. And, but what we're finding out is that they're not being taught, you know, that it's okay to feel pain. And, you know, and people, you know, and we're the only country in the world that allows. Pharmaceutical companies to advertise on TV.
1: No, this is not New Zealand, uh, and and the only reason I know From New that, Zealand, okay. Yeah, and the only reason I know that is because during our uh, this this is uh, about uh, last last year between the spring and the fall we had our 18 weeks of the world's greatest doctors panel, and one of our listeners got together uh, uh, with Doctor Judy Mikevitz and they actually wrote a bill on the air, uh, which was which is now on writeyourlaws.com dot com in the all proposed laws section to ban drug advertising. And it's, it's a, you have yeah. take a look at that. Cause you'd be interested in that bill. Uh, it's, we, we reversed the order a little bit because we have an introduction, actually, uh, Linda, the, the bill author, uh, wrote the introduction and, uh, and her and Judy talking, I've actually, I've still got the shop, I mean, of course we keep all our podcasts, but it's interesting to listen to, uh, you know, a world-class molecular biologist talk to a listener and she was thrilled to talk to Judy. So it was really kind of fun. So they, but they came up with some pretty decent stuff and basically they agreed just to ban all of it. Uh, if you look on the line, I forgot what the title this, but there's, you know, maybe 20 pages of, of regulations for how drugs shall be advertised. Uh, and so what we did, we just eliminated all that. We, we took like three lines and said, oh, you can't do it. We took two lines to say that it should not be on any medium uh, advertising drugs. And the, and the third line uh, says that, yes, you can't advertise to health professionals. And so that's the law. That's it. But normally we would put our proposed law at the end. But because the, the current law is so long, we put our, our rationale first. And um, then our proposed law, which says drugs can't be advertised on any of these media. And then the next section, unless you're a health professional. And then we said, and here's what we're replacing. <laughs> you, know, so you don't have to read it. Just look at the volume of stuff. It's like 20 pages of, of scrolling through and say, this is ridiculous. So, yeah, that bill's already there. Yeah. So take a look, Bill. Bill? Yeah.
2: Well, it <laughs> is definitely necessary because I mean, yeah. cause we're to the point now where it, it's turning into brainwashing is what it, what it actually has done. And we're seeing that over and over um in america and you know and yeah you know, i've always been one that actually believes that Russia's the one who's who's uh the head the head and china's the tail uh but i think that it is has kind of flipped in the last couple of years where um now it's you know the head is actually eating the tail and the tail is actually eating the head <laughs> and uh oh, traffic for, for the morning me- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know um but, I mean, it's true. I mean, China has taken over a lot of our politics, uh, especially the Democrat Party. Uh, mm-hmm. They have bought they, – they are owning Hollywood now, and they well, are about owning they the – MD-
1: uh, They're using our money yeah. to do it. See, this is the crazy part is that people don't understand that, that, that people are being bought with, with American money. So they, they, they dump goods here. They make a fortune in the trade imbalance. Then they take that money to bribe our politicians so they can make even more money, more products in here, which they dump. Uh, and then make the profit, and away it goes. I mean, it's crazy what's going on. Um, but uh, yeah, well, it's, they're, not, they're it's only, you
2: know, not only that. Mm-hmm. It's deeper than that, Greg. I mean, you're talking about changing American ideology, and that's what China has slowly done over mm-hmm. these last twenty years, uh, and really the last ten years. They've been very brazen about it, where they're mm-hmm. actually just coming out and telling you. I mean, for, first they, you know, they figured out, okay, we got to attack the white male. So they've been mm-hmm. attacking the white male since the 90s under Clinton. Um, yeah, they've There's a lot of resistance. Yeah, well, uh, uh, yeah. to, to, a certain, to a certain extent, they have kind of succeeded with that, where they mm-hmm. turned white people against themselves, uh, especially, you know, white, the white females have turned against everybody. Um, mm-hmm. Then you have, then they went after the, the men uh, and tried to weaken the men. And yeah. all this led up to what we are at today. And that's, abusing children and having sex with children. That's where this is all, you know, we've talked about this for the last two years. This has been the goal for the last two years. And they have, they have manipulated the American public, and this is where we are at. And it's all because it all started back in the 90s because you had to attack somebody first. You had to make an enemy. You know, every movie, professional wrestling, good versus evil. That's what sells. So they created the evil, and the evil they decided to create was the white the white male and because the white male is is still the most dominant uh well i I hate to use that word dominant because they've become very weak um but I'll say the the highest demographic in America is the white male and well, not, so no they, more, they to they're the,
1: more women than men slightly, so I'd say we're we're one of the low. well actually we're we're under half the population by far if you take minority population plus women plus white women. I mean, white men are, are less than, than probably you know, 20% of the population. The difference is, though, that we do a lot of the work. <laughs> you know, I mean, try getting yeah. along. It's the white guys you find in the sewers, and the white guys up the power lines, and the, and the white guys are doing the inventions, and the white guys are driving the trucks. I mean, if America wants to get along without the white guys, we just go on strike, and we can shut this country down real fast. Yeah. Because white oh, yeah, guys and- have always worked hard because that we're kind of raised to do that. But, you know, white guys yep. are not raised with a, with a welfare culture uh, like generation. Well, some are, you know, depending on what part of the country you're in. But for the most part, white middle class guys are raised with a work ethic. We're the ones that have to do stuff. It- we're the ones that have to solve the problems. We're the ones that figure things out. We're the ones, you know, like I say, I was flying an airplane at 16. You know, I'm problem solving at a very yeah. young age. Uh, is that because I was white that I was flying the airplane? said, no, because I had the money. <laughs> you know, 12 bucks for the airplane yeah, well, and five, know, for, the, and five brought, for the instructor. You just
2: brought you up, and, yeah, yeah, brought up another great point, too, about the white mm-hmm. man doing the blue-collar work, you know, yeah. demonizing them, trying telling them that that is not good work. Going to college so you could uh, be a pencil pusher helps mm-hmm. create down the road the shortages we have today. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you, know, I, 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 you know, I can't even get a commercial door person, because for some odd reason, uh, a hmm. regular residential door person is not allowed to install a door at my business. I have to have a licensed commercial <laughs> door person. Oh, that, that's um, and union a union regulation, a, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, there's, yeah, well it's, no, because in Florida you don't have union regulations. It's just uh politicians pretending to be a union, basically. Yeah, um, unless it's a government yeah, office, yeah.
1: I'm just wondering how yeah. it works. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There might be some bizarre regulations. Yeah. So, so I, can't, yeah. I
2: can't find that. Um. Mm-hmm. I I can't get a plumber. I can't get an electrician. You know, twenty years ago, that was honest work, and you made a good living doing that. Now Still honest they're work. forcing people. It, well, it is very honest work. I mean, but mm-hmm. but it was it was kind of glamorized. The I don't want to use the word glamorized, but it it was it wasn't frowned upon. How about that? And then we well, went working into the phase, Pero, of, you know. Yeah, there was nothing. Yeah. About, well, you the, know, it, no, no, no. go ahead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, and I said the last twenty years though, it was demonized. It wasn't uh, considered great work. It was, you know, looked down upon. And if you didn't have your college degree, you were nothing. Um, you know, when I when I started in the banking industry in nineteen ninety three, I worked for a very big bank. I was Harris Bank out of Chicago. They were part of the Bank of Montreal system, BMO, um, mm-hmm. and the vice president of Harris Bank dropped out of school at age 16, started as a teller, worked his butt off, and made it to vice president. Yeah. Well, white guys today. have to
1: work harder. We, we don't have affirmative action. We don't have a big mentality. We don't get a boost in our SAT scores. You know, we don't get – there's no scholarship set aside for white guys. There's no, there's no contract, government contract set aside for white guys. There's no civil rights office for white guys. You know, so quite frankly, we have to work harder to get where we're yeah, going. We're, I mean, no, and, and no one yeah. says, hey, you know, Action Radio was created by, a, by, by the first white guy is working at Action Radio. You know, the creator, what are you talking about? It's, I mean, I, I don't care what race I would have been or, or, or sex I would have been. I would have created Action Radio anyway. But the point is that I'll never get congratulated. The first Action Radio host that's a black female is going to get all kinds of notoriety and, and, and attention. I won't for creating the thing. <laughs> you
2: know, but, Correct. But, other folks will, which is ridiculous.
1: But yeah, Which that's, goes that's, to you know. the
2: demonization of white men. Mm-hmm. And so they, you know, and, and they put it, brainwash you in your head that you have to go to college, get in all this debt, and mm. have a desk job in order to be considered successful. And that has drained mm. our blue-collar society. And that's why we're in the problems we are in today is because we have too many pencil pushers and not enough people digging ditches. And,
1: you know, it, that's a really good point. And it's, it's interesting that, that men are being chased out of college because we're toxically masculine. We don't get the scholarships. There are far more women in college because college is really geared for much more yep. for women. It's passive. Uh, it's uh, there's a lot more of the social sciences and the service things. So if you're, if you're gearing a service economy, but back when we were a manufacturing economy, there's a lot of jobs you don't have to go to college. You can go to a trade school. You can go to apprenticeship or like uh, one, one of our local folks here, uh, Larry Downs Jr., uh, who's a friend of mine. Uh, you probably know him too. He's over in a Scambia county. Yeah, Larry's great. So Larry is a plumber, and he's like third generation plumber. He can't find an apprentice. He can't find you know a young kid to learn the business because they don't want to do it. So what the problem is, you know, the white guys that used to do the work now, now even the white guys aren't doing the work, <laughs> you know, which is a really bad situation. But colleges are turning out people that can't do anything until they go to grad school, which means more money. Now the good news is they have to start paying the loans back. But the bad news is that, uh, you know, this whole idea that you have to go to college is crazy. Now, I went to college because it made sense for things I wanted to do. Um, But I didn't go to law school, you know, and one of the biggest reasons I didn't go to law school was I couldn't afford the loans. And there were no white guy scholarships, you know, or or Canadian scholarships or, you know, all those. I probably had a better job going to law school in Canada, but that wouldn't have helped here. Um, But that's one of the biggest reasons I didn't go. The other reason was I, I took a sample LSAT test and failed it miserably. Well, can't be a lawyer. (laughs) I'm not going to pass their their entrance test. And here's the funny part, though. What am I doing now? I've created a citizen legislature. So does college necessarily (laughs) lead to your profession? No. Everything we do here, as I say, I am uniquely unqualified for everything I do at Action Radio. I'm not a business major. <laughs> you know, I, I have an economics degree, but that's from a Marxist university, so that doesn't count. And, and We didn't do math. We just did theory. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's, I don't have a law degree. I don't have a broadcast degree. I don't have decades of experience. Um, I don't have anything that, that you would think that's, that, that someone would hire me to do. In other words, if they hired for Action Radio, which I will do at some point, you know, I, would, I would never qualify for my own you know, company <laughs> because I don't have any of the qualifications that you would normally associate with doing this job, which is kind of funny. It's just like your 16 year old guy, that, uh, well, well, I'm the in the color. same
2: position. Uh-huh. I'm in the exact same position. So, uh-huh. I was in the banking industry for a lot, you know, for 15 years, and then I uh-huh. got out uh, right before the crash because I saw it coming. So, I didn't uh-huh. want to be left holding, you know, the last one holding the uh, the short straw. So uh-huh. I, I got out two years, about a year and a half before the crash. Um, uh-huh. And then my wife owned a medical billing company. And she taught uh-huh. me. I I didn't go to medical billing school. I don't have a medical billing certificate, but you know I've learned mm-hmm. medical billing. Um, yeah, became good. very successful at it. Um, mm-hmm. I you know we opened up our own pedi- pediatric clinic with a doctor. Um, I don't have um, any kind of you know healthcare management degree, um, mm-hmm. and it, it's kind of funny too because I'm looking at you know I'm kind of staring right now at Sacred Heart Hospital, which is the biggest hospital here in Pensacola. Mm-hmm. And even though I have 12 years experience managing a a million dollar company and succeeding when, and I look at Sacred Heart, I can't, I don't even qualify to work at Sacred Heart because I don't have a degree (laughs) with what they want. But yet, but yet they keep opening up pediatric clinics and keep closing them because they lose money.
1: But I've been open for 12 years,
2: and we have succeeded.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. And actually, that's kind of ironically funny in in so many ways because, you know, people think that you have to follow the the production thing. I mean, I didn't get a job in radio at the talk show, A, because I had no experience, uh, B, because I was too old, and C, because I wanted to do something that had never been done before. And radio uh, is not a place for new ideas. Look Look at the company that bought WBY. You know, new ideas is not their specialty. You know, in fact, old ideas, you know, rehashed for 50 years. That's their specialty. I'm not mentioning names, obviously. Um, But uh, but but that's the problem with with radio. And one of my friends, Fred Jacobs, who's a media consultant, actually Hall of Fame, Radio Hall of Fame, because he he created the the uh, the classic uh, rock format. Uh, So that's his big thing. But we talked about this in New Ideas and he's been watching action radio for years. All the stuff we do down here. Uh, someday this is going to mm-hmm. be huge, and someday you know a lot of folks will try and copy it, and who knows what else will happen. But the thing is, as innovators, you know, it's it's uh, we have to be the folks that are here are all innovators, and we're not all white guys. But the point is that uh, the, the, there are quite a, a few of us are, and. We, we sort of, like, are raised because we don't have those other advantages. So has anybody ever done a study of that, of, of like, the, who are the more creative, innovative, you know, groups in society? White men, black men, white women, black women, Asian women, Hispanic women, Hispanic well, guys? I, mean, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know it, if you can break it down well, like I that. Mean, I'm what just do you curious. Mean
2: by What do you mean by innovative, as in creating new ideas, creating new inventions? Because I'd have to go with the Asian community if you're talking about strides in science, for example. Uh, oh, most of the last... Yes and
1: no. Remember when, when well, Japan was, was reverse engineering all our products? Oh, just to let you know, too, live chat, since you've been gone, um, Marco's on the line. Marco's in uh, uh, the Netherlands, and so he's on live chat, and so live chat right. has just sprung up in the last couple of months. So we get people you know typing in from around the world uh, during the show. Beautiful. <laughs> and so Hello, Marco. There we go. So, Mark, I want to introduce you to Bill Fecky, the person that got me involved uh, with this um, back in 2018. And here we are, you know, five years later. Um, But as far as innovation, it's like I say, and the the reason we're sort of focusing on on the white guy thing uh, is because we don't have all those other affirmative action advantages. We don't get special entrance into school. We don't get uh, quotas on the jobs. We don't get quotas in the government jobs. We don't get any of that stuff. So we have to be more innovative. So what I was wondering, yeah, he agrees. Marco agrees, too. i uh, be curious about affirmative action in the Netherlands. You know, Marco's a white guy, too. Um, and and uh, we're one of the few places, I think, that openly talks as white guys, you know, with white guy problems, which is we yeah. have to do things on our own. And I think that makes you stronger, you know, in, in well, terms it does. of innovation.
2: And, and I was thinking that we we're we we're kind of headed, you know, just by thinking about how we we're going to start this conversation today. I figure we'd head this direction, and I know I've given this and example here we are. in the past. Yeah, I, <laughs> I know, but I, I knew, um, but I wanted to give this. I know I've give this, given this example in the past, but I want to bring it up again because I think it's more important than ever before. Is uh, so? There's a a, a a guy by the name of Bao. B-A-O okay, he's a mm. friend of my son. He's from okay. Vietnam. Okay, He's mm-hmm. from Vietnam, they came over here legally. Uh his mm-hmm. dad was a, is a, is a fisherman. Um mm-hmm. when his mom came over here, she became a nail tech, you know, as most Vietnamese seem to do. Um, I hate to be Isn't that wild? about it, but <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I sorry, know.
1: people graduate uh, or gravitate towards, yeah, it's kind of interesting.
2: Yeah, so um so you know, Bao came over here at age 8. Um they moved wow. to California. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. So moved to California, barely spoke any English at all. Barely. Mm-hmm. He moves here to Pensacola. Mm-hmm. He is salutatorian celidator- of his high school class.
1: What's that, salutatorian? Uh, second. Like? Second. Oh, okay. Second. Ooh, new word. I learned he, a new word today. This is kind of cool.
2: Yeah, you have valedictorian and salutatorian. What's um, The valedictorian. don't um, just, know.
1: Just third. Victorian? I
2: don't know. <laughs> third? <laughs> I don't okay, know. Right. Um, so third doesn't count. So yeah, so. He ends up being second in the class, speaks English Uh really well. I mean, he does have an accent, but he does speak English very well. Uh, Goes on to University of West Florida, finishes Uh uh, in the top five, I think top five in his class uh, Uh for pre-med. Goes to Florida State University, um, where he is now finishing up. Um, and grad, he's. I think he's graduating. Actually, he just graduated medical school, and he's at the mm-hmm. Cleveland Clinic in Ohio doing his residency. Now, is, this he is, on scholarship is a scholarship because he's Asian? I'm just curious. He no, not because oh. he's Asian, because his uh-huh. grades were so good. Okay, well that's good. He then. got, he got, yeah, he got that's it. That's merit. For I got no problem with merit because I asked. him, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. but we're talking about a kid who barely uh-huh. spoke English at age eight. Right. Came to well, America with with nothing. A fisherman and a nail tech is the parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually and now, and now he's and now there's he's of, to, and now he's going to go yeah. and make and become a cardiologist. So when him. you talk about yeah, I mean when you talk about the fact that there's you know the lack of opportunity for minorities in this country, that's mm-hmm. not the case. And he is a great proof of just tunnel vision. Setting your goal and achieving your goal, and this victimhood that we see from a lot of minority classes in this country is ridiculous. And you know, and it, of course, once again, we're going back to the whole white versus everybody else. And I don't mean, well, and I don't mean to start a war with this. But what I'm no, saying no, though but, but is, think about it: is, is that yeah, well, uh, it, 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 it's manufactured? Is what I'm getting at with this whole thing? This yeah. this war of against white people is manufactured. And of it's course. all done. Because white people don't fight back.
1: That's why that's exactly. white people and well, don't fight it, it, back. It, it, We're doing this show. It's <laughs> it's done. Done. we don't care.
2: Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Well, it, it's done to help destroy America. And that's where we're at right now. We're at yeah. knocking the, you know, the white people have been silenced. And uh, I know I'm almost out of time, and I want to bring up this one poll before uh, we end because I I just found this so humorous. This poll, and I know I'm this is ADHD Radio, and we're full ADHD mode at this moment. <laughs> you can have an hour if you want. I, I
1: I can give you an hour slot. We only had half an hour because that was all, all that you had time for.
2: But you know, yeah, that's all I can schedule. do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So um, so this uh, so this poll I want to bring up before because I just looked at the clock, and so that's what jumped me. But this poll is a very important poll, and I just mm-hmm. found it so humorous that it's something that we that gives hope. Okay? And that mm-hmm. is a poll was done with liberal women. Have you seen this? No, tell me. So liberal women had a uh, had a poll done and and supposedly that you know, you know we know polls, you know polls are polls, we know that. Mm-hmm. Um but take it for what it is, but supposedly and, checks are checks. and I don't Just- Kidding. Yeah, I don't know how many women were. I think a hundred. It was either hundred or thousand. I forgot the number now. Majority of liberal women per, uh, preferred to be with a conservative guy than a liberal guy.
1: Really? Because yeah. the conservative guys actually have a job and have ambition, and you know are used to fixing and, things. And they're and their men. <laughs> and they're men. Yeah, exactly. They're men. Well, the whole the whole men thing. I mean, I have a man page just for that reason. You know, that's uh, yeah. a place where men can go and talk. And it is critical uh, for us to be able to do so. I'm going to talk about Bao for a second. I want to bring on uh, Pianki, who's waiting yeah. on, on the line as well. But Bao's interesting because he did work hard. Now, a couple of things in his favor. One, I bet his parents were married, right? Yes. Stay married, stay together. Okay, that's a huge advantage. Yep. We've got a lot of uh, particularly black families which have a ridiculously high single parent rate. That is a huge disadvantage. So Bao's got an advantage. Yep. Um, uh, Pianchi talks about Nigerian parents that stay together and emphasize education. So it's not black yep. that makes the difference. It's the parents being together that makes the difference. My parents were divorced Correct. when I was 16, but I still managed to, to do a bunch of stuff. But as, as Bao came here at eight, I, I went from Canada to Australia at eight. Now, the language mm-hmm. was the same, but a lot of words were different, and the cultures are very different. People don't realize that. You know, the, the two countries, I went from a, a, a Canadian public school system to an Australian private school that was based on, on something like Pink Floyd's, you know, The Wall. We don't need no education. It was that kind of yeah. stuff. I was caned. I was caned. They actually hit me with a bamboo stick. I was caned. I thought, what are these barbarians doing? But it actually worked out well. Uh, then went to Canada, the United States, which was a barbaric situation. I went to an American junior high. But the point is, if you, it, the cultures that emphasize working hard. But the Asian cultures, one of the problems is they don't innovate. Okay, they, they, It's very conformist. And so that's why you don't see a lot of Nobel Prizes in Japan uh, and, and China because – but they have brilliant scientists, but they do they, – they follow the, the path. They, 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 it's, there's no individualism. So Americans are very good at, at being individuals. So you take white guys that have always been uh, – that have no advantages, uh, and you take a country of individuals, which sort of prides itself on being individual, and you're going to have a lot of very individual white guys by necessity. Yep. Yeah. Let's bring up Pianchi. His line is to be live now. Hey, yeah, Piaki, Bill's back. Welcome. Yeah, it's, it's it's funny that you have these conversations. Well, nobody else um, will. We, we might as well. <laughs> oh, oh, Marco's well, yeah, parents have been married for sixty years. So so good for him, Marco. Congratulations. Well, to but to your the parents. thing is, if uh-huh. White
3: has become paralyzed mm-hmm. with this uh, word racism, and you know, I told you, if somebody calls so why it, why you racist,
1: call how long racist right? We have these conversations, and I get, we, get, we get the racist um, Warren from uh, in Wake Up, New Orleans. He's a Black Lives Matter racist. He keeps accusing me of being a racist white supremacist, and I just laugh at him. And you know what? Nothing happens this to is me. What you, I still do the show. This is what you got going on. This
3: is what you got going You got a group of blacks in this country that's trying to form a separate black nation. Mm-hmm. You see it's yeah. going on with the redistricting in Alabama yeah, where, terrible. The courts where you got this group that wants to include all Blacks into this district, and Blacks don't want to be in that district. Yeah. And then yeah. if you have a Black district, you're saying that there's no whites in it, then they want to vote <laughs> for a white candidate.
0: hmm
3: So you got to fight back at this and make mention. They even got these cases in some of these Ivy League schools where when it comes down to uh college entrance exam, ACT, SAT, they spot mm-hmm. Black children, Are we talk about Black students, 310 mm-hmm. points. hmm the whites is given zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, Asians is minus 170. They got a score perfect <laughs> plus 100. I mean, it's yep. just totally ridiculous. Yeah. And you but need
1: he, to
3: complain he, about this.
1: Well, now, now think about this, Pankey. We we have you know white guy conversations here on a regular basis. Bill and I have just been talking. The world didn't stop turning. You know, the the the, the site didn't come crashing down. The thought police, you know, didn't uh, brand my show. You know, illegal white supremacy. Nothing happened. So it's not that the guys can't have these conversations. They don't have these conversations. White guys are a bunch of wimps. So by doing this and making it a normal conversation, I think we're doing our part you know, for getting it out there. That, you know, Guys, the world's not going to stop turning. You know, and even if, if people start yelling and screaming, like Warren comes to my show, you notice he's not here. Why is he not here? Because I won. I beat him. <laughs> That's why he's not here, because he couldn't get anywhere. Because as much as he called me a racist white supremacist, I laughed at him. I, in fact, I confined him to the live chat. Marco got after him. We had a great time. And where is he now? He gave up. He left. So it's not hard to defeat these people. You just have to be willing to do it. That's the difference. Wendy's on the line. So I'll get to Bill and Pianni. Yeah, and kind I, I, I got to go what do you think and, about uh, that?
2: earn my dollar for today. So I'm going to let okay. you guys go. But have a good, good rest of the show. And I'm glad to be okay. back.
1: I'm glad to have you back. It's fun. We missed you. The lovely and talented Bill Fecky is now back on Action Radio. There he goes. That was fast. All right. So, Piyaki, what do you think? The, uh, we beat him. The world the world does not stop turning just because white guys stand up to be white guys. It's fascinating.
3: Well, it has to go more, be more than a beat him and lose him uh, thing. You have to. Uh, Plus, just one case. Actually, well, yeah, it's just one case. But it has to be. Look at it as a war because it's exactly what it is. They they and one thing that they're going after is the most vulnerable that you have, and that's your children. They trying yeah. to capture your children and project them into the future to be of their mouthpiece and their representative because they kill their babies. They don't have any babies. They kill them, so they won't choose.
1: Yeah, that's really that's a fascinating point, that uh, you know, the great replacement is, is people who are killing their own kids and then wanting to influence everybody else's or steal everybody else's. It's quite fascinating. Let's get to Wendy, and hang on the line. We'll, uh, let's see what's uh, what's on her mind. I think we're going to talk about God and Aliens, because Brianna was, And I started to talk about that, but we never really got into it. So Wendy, didn't miss very much. Anyway. Here we go. Do you really want the truth? Do you have questions you can't ask in church? Welcome to the Oh My God Report. Wendy Arthur is more concerned with truth than propaganda, putting more value in scripture than religion, and more about you and your relationship with God than your membership in any church. This is Christianity with a Kick. God and aliens. Did God create aliens? That is the question of the day. At least it was yesterday for, <laughs> well, for, for a couple of minutes.
4: Well, it's not the question of this day, but it is the question for. <laughs> okay,
1: fine. Or as Wendy would say <laughs> but,
4: no. <laughs> but Pianki, kudos to you because that was an excellent point that you made about you know they they killed their own children, so now they weren't yours. I just want to thank yeah. you for that. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, I'm going to steal it and use it. That's that's actually brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> you really appreciate it. That's, <laughs> what I, that's what I like about this show. Just people, you know, you say what you want to say. And, and uh, like I say, we were having a white guy, you know, conversation. and The world didn't stop turning. The FBI didn't reach in and grab my microphone through my computer screen. And uh, we're still here. So, you know, don't be yeah, wimps, white guys. Maybe
4: only <laughs> enough.
1: Yeah, how about that? Surprise, surprise. Surprise, <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> as Gomer Pyle would say. Anyway. There you go. Yeah.
4: Well. Today is going to be very interesting. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me from my froggy voice this morning, but was up late playing Uno with the grandkids. So
1: <laughs> I thought you were like being a cheerleader or something like that. Well, yeah, the grandkids, of course. That would be like, yeah. yeah. But that's worth it.
4: <laughs> yes, it was. Um, so we're going to talk about, um, and these two things go hand in hand,
0: mm-hmm.
4: is the abuse of grace in the church. Mm. And... Incomplete Bible verses.
1: Oh, yeah. That sounds... They both of them sound quite interesting. Yeah, tell me.
4: Because if you... Uh, many people growing up in church
0: mm-hmm.
4: have heard certain verses their whole life preached from the pulpit. But if they were reading it for themselves, they would realize, wait a minute, that's not the whole verse. Why are they not? Why didn't they read the whole verse? Right? Hmm. How about that? (laughs) So, so therefore, there there are countless people who think that a portion of a verse is the entire verse in the scripture, and that is not the case. So, this may surprise some people today. We're going to discuss uh, just a few of them. There are many. But we're just going oh, yeah. To discuss a few of them. I can
1: think of some famous um, quotes that uh, just, just to jump in here for a second, the, the famous quote by Kennedy, ask not what you can do for your country uh, or ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. That's only half the quote. The other half, and I've forgotten it, I haven't committed it to memory, but basically it says, ask not what the United States can do for the world, ask what we can do together for the, the glory of man. In other words, stop coming to us for money. <laughs> you know, I mean, nobody ever quotes that yeah. because <laughs> the, globalists, the globalists want the United States to, to give up all the money and the American tax. Fairs to fund the world, yes. so they conveniently left off the second half of his quote. This happens all the exactly. time. Exactly. Yeah. All the time. Mm-hmm.
4: So, so we're we're going to tackle some of this today because the the incomplete preaching um, or selective preaching, as I would call it, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. is leading people into hyper grace, um, which is a movement in the church today which um i i am seeing across all posts um, right now if if you do not support uh trans the trans agenda and the homosexuality agenda and the lgbtq i d i o t i mean whatever it is you know pms um,
1: that's in there too yeah
4: you know um LMNOP, you know <laughs> <laughs> um, if you don't support all of that um right. you you are categorized as a hater, as if you cannot disagree with anybody on anything or else you hate them. Um, and then the church jumps on board, the progressive church. Was, it's not God's real church. It's the progressive church who think uh-huh. that they're woke and that they are more righteous than everyone, and everyone else because they can love everybody and they can accept everything. Well, no, <laughs> you're just the world now. You are not part of the church.
1: Well, the most intolerant people are the ones that preach tolerance. But but it, 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 they've actually just condemned themselves because in calling everybody who disagrees a hater, they who do so disagree with God and with Jesus and with Americans and freedom and independence and all that kind of stuff are themselves self-confessed haters simply for, for disagreeing uh, while projecting it onto other people. So they're actually doing Correct, themselves. Correct, but they
4: don't want to. Yes, but you weren't allowed to point that out.
1: <laughs> yes, I am. As, yes i am
0: as, as, you know as it's these, like when people say yes, the quiet part out
1: loud no let's make it the loud part you know yes, and all these things that we're not exactly supposed to say, right. I, the whole show this morning you know we're not supposed to say and i don't i hate that judgment it's like politically correct no we're just talking this is common english it's easy to understand words we're not you're not disguising things here it's very simple right you know proud proud it's, white exactly. guy here oh look what i just said oh, that's that that right <laughs> well, world's still turning show's still been... going no FBI, you know, hand reaching through my throat. We're okay so far.
4: There you go. Well, so I'm going to go throw some of these verses out here.
1: Uh-huh.
4: And anybody who has um, been in church any amount of time, a mainstream denomination, will, will recognize some of these. And if, and if you haven't heard any of these, then um, you probably haven't been in church very long. <laughs> um, so um, here we go um The first one uh, is titus two eleven and there's also twelve it's, 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 that's that's the whole whole sentence there okay that this is what um, gets people in trouble. this is what gets people into just grace, God is love um, he loves everybody and so whatever you do is okay because all dogs go to heaven okay so okay um, Titus two eleven for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. And that is true. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely true. Verse 12, but, that finishes the sentence,
1: But training <laughs> us,
4: right? Cause, and, and what's the purpose of grace? That's what the second part is about. Training mm. us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives as in the present age. Ooh. Whole different story, isn't it?
1: And now, page two.
4: Yeah. <laughs> and the rest of the story. <laughs>
1: and now the rest of the story. Paul Harvey, Action Radio yeah. News. <laughs> but that's fascinating. So, so, so in other words, there's the, there are conditions to create part one, but if you give part one without the conditions, then people think there are no conditions. There's no requirements. There's no responsibilities. It's just there. But it's not just there. It requires exactly. some work. It requires input on your part. It requires you to do things in order for part one to exist for you. That's fascinating.
4: Thank you. Perfectly You're said.
1: You're welcome. Well, and I this have my moments. Is what
4: is not... <laughs> And this is, this is the basis for the Hyper Grace Movement. Do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. You're going to heaven anyway because God's love, and he's going to forgive everybody anything no matter what. Mm. So why is there even a God? If, if why that is the judgment? your mindset,
0: yeah, why the... is there
4: judgment? Why is there a yeah. God? Why, why are there... Um, things that God requires for for healthy living for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Because they think you can just go into heaven however you are. It, it just doesn't matter, and that heaven's just going to be one big extension of, of things down here, you know, mm-hmm. minus the bad stuff. Um, <clears> no.
1: <laughs> I was waiting for that. Here, here's the deal,
4: people. Um, God's holy, and anything unholy is not allowed in heaven. Period. End of story. Uh that that's it in a nutshell right there. If it is not like God, it doesn't get into heaven. It doesn't exist in heaven. It is not allowed. Uh So if you think that you can believe that there is a God and go to heaven, no, it says even the demons believe that there is a God and they tremble. They have more sense than we do. They're afraid of what God can do. They they know he's there. They know what he can do. They know what their end already is. It's written, right, in the scriptures what the end is. But we go, la, 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 everything's fine, and I can just do whatever I want because God's love, and, you know, he forgives everything. So, please, people, I am making a plea to you today. If that is your mindset, if that's what you've been taught in your hyper-grace church, get out now. It, literally, your eternity depends on it.
0: Hmm. So.
4: Let's go to Romans 8.1, a favorite
1: <laughs>
4: from the pulpit.
1: And now, top and 20 hits. T- Casey Keeson's top 20 Bible phrases <laughs> misinterpreted by today's Hypergrace Church.
4: My <laughs> That's <master right>. <laughs> so,
0: number
1: two, <laughs> this,
4: this, Romans 8.1, this is the whole verse, okay, but mm-hmm. they only quote the first half of it. They stop at the comma there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in christ jesus well that's a great thing to know and it's true but don't stop at the comma because it's only part of it
0: the rest of the
4: verse says okay i'll I'll start the beginning and i'll read the whole verse there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in christ jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. If you are living like the world, this verse does not apply to you. I don't care how much you believe that Jesus exists. Uh It does not apply to you. If you are living like the world, believing like the world, supporting all the worldly causes um, in in the name of acceptance and love, um, this does not apply to you. There is condemnation for you because you are walking against what God says. You are living and believing against what God says because there are requirements for holiness um, and for godliness and for righteousness. And God is not going to um, let you slide because you believe Jesus exists like the demons do.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting that so, everything, everything about our, our world, our universe, our, our existence has rules. I mean, there are Ten Commandments. Uh, there are rules of physics, you know, like we talked about the electrons not crashing into each other. I mean, everything is based on rules, everything. So yeah. the idea that God would not have yeah. rules or conditions or requirements or things like that, that it wouldn't, that, uh, you know, there, there aren't some conditions you have to live up to because everybody has responsibilities to live up to you know, normal responsibilities, you got to yeah. earn a living, you know, you got to take care of your family, you know, just the normal stuff. So why would they suddenly think that this church, that God would, would like forego everything that makes the universe work and suddenly say, ah, eh, whatever you want to do is fine. You know, that's, that's exactly. uh, that's like if God were a, you know, a hippie chick in the sixties, you know, with, with bangles and spangles and, uh, you know, drove a VW bus and say, hey, man, like everything's great, you know, it just it yeah. doesn't work that way. Well, you know? and here's fun. It's fun though. That no, might be, but because you know, yeah, Mm-hmm.
4: They, they talk about God being love, um, and that He loves everybody. Well, mm-hmm. yes, but guess what? He loved Jesus too. Mm. And why would you sacrifice your only Son? Everything was okay. Why you would you have to pay for your sin and become your sin? Mm-hmm. If if what you're doing is okay, mm. that makes so, sense. You know, just that point alone is you know no. <laughs>
1: So, well, it looks like they're leaving um, off all the they, – they get all the good stuff and just leave off the responsibility part, whatever your part yeah, is. The, so in other words, the,
4: the Democrat church. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: the, the Democrat edit. Feel good. Take yeah. it. It's yours. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Got another one? So – oh,
4: yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. We, we have um, – uh, another one females. out of Rome – Yeah, another one out of Romans that everybody um, is another favorite from the pulpit. Romans six one and two. Preach one and only half of two. So that's selective. Yeah. Yes. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. Okay. Okay. Well, then that's great. You know. Okay. No, get people are saying, well, grace is, is to cover all your sins, and if grace is that great, then we can just continue sinning in whatever we want to do because grace covers it. That basically is the tenet of the hyper-grace church. Huh. What they don't finish up is this last part of verse 2. How can we who died to sin still live in it?
1: Well, oh, yeah, that, that kind of is important. <laughs> I mean, that, that that's the essence yeah. of the whole thing. Yeah. That's the question. So
4: what what is the why are they not preaching this? If because they don't because they have not conquered sin in their own life. They have not put it under their feet. They have not put it under the blood of Jesus. And and they and I'm not saying they're not saved. I'm just saying that they have not, um, made it a point to make holiness the as God is holy in their lives for themselves, and so mm. because they haven't accomplished, believe anybody else can accomplish it. So we're just not going to preach that part. So
1: yeah, it's, no. it's it's so selective. It's like saying <laughs> that uh, we'll we'll take the the part that we like and, and forget the rest. You know, and it's it's very interesting. Exactly. I've never, never heard of this before, so this is, this is quite this is all new to me. But uh, yeah, huh. So it's so, not a church of God. Yep, it's a church of, of you, know, you know, people borrowing parts of God. <laughs> you know, We'll just say the parts we like.
4: <laughs> well, that's exactly right, because that, there's also verses in Scripture that talk about um, you are preaching a false Jesus. You're preaching right. a false gospel. And mm-hmm. this all falls into the hyper-grace church is preaching a false God, period. It, it's uh, a God they've made up. Mm -hmm. Um, that is is not the real God, and they are leading countless millions of people to the path of hell, to the doorway of hell, Mm -hmm. and and they are just clueless. So I'm trying to tell you, I may sound like I'm radical. I may sound like I'm harsh or that I am, you know, like, wow, she's just a Bible thumper. Well, call me what you want. Don't care. Okay? Well, go ahead. Thump Um, the Bible. I want to hear it. Thump away. Yeah, I am – I'm preaching the truth here. I'm giving you what you're not hearing in a lot of pulpits today. So Action Radio is about taking action. So, therefore, I am taking action on the part of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, read the whole Bible. Read it for yourselves because you cannot tell God on Judgment Day, yeah, but the pastor said, (laughs) no,
1: (laughs) (laughs) No. Yeah, exactly. But it's like saying ignorance of the law is no excuse. So ignorance of God is equally no excuse if you're following God's laws.
4: Yeah, because it's in writing for Pete's sake for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. You have the same opportunity to read it for uh, yourself as everybody else does. And so, therefore, nobody's without excuse. And even if you never had a Bible put in your hand, it tells uh-huh. us in Romans one that you can look at nature and see that there is a God. Everyone nope. is without excuse because everyone can see nature.
1: You, and you can't walk out your you door without sighted. seeing God. <laughs> you, know, you can't walk inside your house without yeah, seeing God. I, yeah. I mean, it's just you can't walk anywhere. You can't walk with your eyes open and not see God. I mean, it's just it's, 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 God's everywhere. No. But you know what? You know what it sounds like? It's, it's even, very if you much of not our. Sighted. Yeah.
4: I I, I want to make that point. Even if you are blind, if you are not sighted, you can still feel the breeze. You can still feel flowers. Mm-hmm. You, can, you know what I'm saying? So everyone is well. Actually,
1: to you. so I had, I, had, I had a very interesting friend um, back in California who was uh, blind enough, and we'd go on great adventures. And, and she could tell where we were driving <laughs> because she'd memorized you know the time in her head, and perception was unbelievable. Uh-huh. So it, it's fascinating. So we'd like sit at a park bench, and and then we had this Braille machine. And so we could communicate probably better than I can communicate with most people. But I, I type out stuff on braille uh, and she'd have to read the braille. And this is the machine, which popped up little dots. And she's like, slow down. I'm getting blisters. <laughs> she's yelling at me. It was really funny. Um, but uh, but it was just fascinating to be able to communicate and I remember describing, you know, one day We're at the beach and uh, you know The seagull that was four feet away and where the people were and I, I painted this entire mental picture Exactly what was going on could feel the breeze feel the heat, you know, couldn't hear the waves but knew where they were uh, And just and just had an entire, you know description of what's happening. I mean, that's and, and you know God's everywhere all through all this too, but it's interesting that people that can still perceive uh, who can't even see or hear and so these people that can see and yeah. hear and still don't perceive, so yes, you guys are missing the boat, you know, start using your senses. I know someone that, that has no, none of the things that we normally associate, you know, the Helen Keller, you know, disadvantage of both no sight and no hearing, but most incredibly perceptive. So you don't, you know, yeah. use the things that you have because uh, a lot of people don't even have those things and, they, and they're more perceptive than you are. Um, but also this is like the throwaway culture. This is the money for nothing culture. This is the living wage, yes. you know, the, the guaranteed income culture. It's, it's, it's like applying the guaranteed income to God. In other words, you get the good stuff without doing the work. It's like going to a job and just getting the exactly. paycheck without actually, without actually having to do the job. You just go and get the paycheck. right? And you consider that a right. job. No. Let me do a Wendy. No. <laughs> you know, but it's the same thing with religion. <laughs> there, there, there's work involved. There's work and there's study and there's uh, commitment. And there's things that you have to know and have to do. Otherwise, you're not in the club, folks. You just, you know, or as you say, you know, bow now and avoid the rush. Um, But uh, it's fascinating that I think so much of that is missed. So what is the advantage to the church? of this? What what did they get out of preaching something where there's no work? There's no commitment. There's no reading of scripture. There's no responsibility at all on the part of the parishioners. It's just this unconditional love that God gives. And uh, there's absolutely nothing that you have to do in return, which makes no sense. But that's what they're teaching. What's in it for the churches?
4: Well, it's money. Okay. I'm sorry, but that's the truth.
1: Because well, people will uh, give their money
4: it, to to a place that doesn't require anything of them. Hmm. And those who um, and, and, and I am not downing people who true tithers who who understand the whole principle behind tithing and and that that's, that needs to be discussed as well, but not today. Um, <clears throat> that people and and because they're they're just giving they aren't tithing they're just giving money you know to say oh good Thank, thanks for making me feel good today you know it, mm-hmm. it, here's here's a twenty <laughs> you know? yeah so um and and so therefore it's it's irrelevant it's mammon it's it, that's a whole different thing than than the the holy tithe of God so you know that actually right. does work so um mm-hmm. it's it's a all a part of um, let's all just get together and feel good and feel loved and accepted and then um, go live how we're going to live during the week and then come back and do the whole thing again, okay? Um, mm-hmm. And churches are to encourage. Churches are to uplift. Um, churches are there to um, to love those you know, who, who aren't loved anywhere else. <clears throat> but here's the thing. There's also the, the part of the church that says, yes, we will accept. Anybody in any condition, come in, but God loves you enough not to leave you in that condition. He's here to change you from the inside. Understand what church is for. So church is not for the lost. And I know that that gets a lot of flack every time I say that, but it's true. Church is not for people who do not know God. Church is where people who do know God go to get equipped to go be the church outside of four walls to to go love people, to serve people, to, to say, hey, man, you're going down the wrong road. Let me help you. Uh-huh. That's what the church is for. Now, can somebody not say go into the church? Well, yes, that of course, because you know, that's what it has become. Oh, well, I don't n- really know Jesus enough myself to actually tell you about him or tell you about salvation, but come around to church with me and let the pastor do it. People, we are missing the boat. If you don't know Jesus enough to be able to tell somebody else about him and how to, to surrender your life and live a true Christian lifestyle, it's because you have not done that yet. Hmm. And maybe you don't know Jesus as much as you think you do. And I'm telling you get to know Jesus because that's the best thing you could ever do for somebody else who is struggling and and going down a wrong road is tell them about Jesus and how he can change their life and them from the inside out. And it's not about works. It's about just submitting yourself to him and letting him do his work in in, in you through the Holy Spirit because it's not about your own efforts. It's about God doing his thing.
1: And that's a huge thing too, because that's a whole show. You know, the people think if you lead a good life, then uh, and this is something that I didn't understand for a long time, uh, and still still question a little bit. You know, if you do lead a good life, then because uh, you know, a lot of people are leading good lives that haven't found Jesus, and like Hindus, uh, Jews, you know, Muslims, um, right. You know, and, and so it's, it's a fascinating thing that, is, that it's not enough just to, to do, lead a good life. You have to follow Jesus. And, it's, uh, and I'm sort of thinking to myself, this, this is where I come to the, you know, I want to reason with God on that one. <laughs> we, we need to have a chat. Um, yeah. Cause, uh, but that's something that we should talk about more about, too. Because I don't think a lot of people get that as well. That they think if they, as long as they do good things and don't steal and don't break the commandments, then that's enough. And it's not enough.
4: Well, no, it's not because then it it goes by, well, whose standard of good are we going to go by? Huh. Is, are we going to go by Fred's standard of good or Bill's standard of good because that's a little bit better, but Fred says, no, mine's better. And then you get this argument and God's going, uh, hello, I'm God. <laughs> you know, <Exactly>. um, yeah. <laughs> my standard of good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, which, which no one can attain on their own. It's got to be done through the blood of Jesus. So um, let's get to our last verse here. Okay. Um, a favorite in Second Timothy. Second uh, Timothy chapter 2 and verses 15 and 16. Um, they preach 15. Mm-hmm. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Well, that's good. That's talking about Mm. reading your Bible and understanding it and, and, you know, understanding it correctly. Um, But they don't preach 16, which finishes it. But avoid a reverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. So preaching hyper-grace is a reverent babble. It's not the truth. It's part of the truth, and if it's part of the truth, it's a lie. You you cannot take whatever part you want out and just preach that. You've got to have the whole thing. So if you are saying, yeah, grace is for everybody. God is love. Well, that's true, and that's only part of the truth. It's going to send you straight to hell is what it's going to do. Hmm. So if you want all of the benefits of God, then get All of his thinking, all of his heart, understand who he is, his character, because he's saying, if you only give people half the truth, a reverent babble, then you're going to lead people into more and more ungodliness, because you're going to let them go on in their sin, go on in their their lifestyles that, that are going to end up harming them in the end, and others, and then what good does it do?
0: What you
1: know, this to, love? Whatever, quote. You
4: know, yeah. To
1: let people go on yeah. and
4: help.
1: Well, and I think you've talked about this too, but there's a there's a special place for for priests and pastors and ministers that that know exactly what they're doing, leaving off these verses. You know, it's there there are two parts. You can't separate them. You know, it's like this only nope. applies if this also applies, and they leave out that second part. And so, in other words, the the condition for the first part to exist is the second part. Uh, and if you leave that off, then the first part can't exist either it's not it's not like you can separate them so about the priests and pastors and ministers that are willfully leaving off these things, you know where do they fit into the scheme you know where how how does God view them I mean it can't be good
4: oh it's not good because he said you you leaders, you teachers, you pastors yeah. you you preachers evangelists and, and apostles and, and prophets oh. he's, mm-hmm. it you know better, so if you purposely mislead my little ones he said then the judgment for you is even harsher i I don't even want to stand before god as as you know not being a teacher but me being a teacher i have a harsher judgment on me so i better be telling you the truth that's why i don't care what anybody else says i have to answer to god he judges me Uh and 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 i have to meet his standard I have to rightly divide the word of truth and give it to you the way he meant it, not the way it's been been slushed into, you know, what has been molded and formed like it's some kind of slime that you can just, you know, shape into whatever mold you want. No, that's not how it goes. It's got to meet God's standard or you're going to get judged even harsher. And I know I have to stand before a holy God. Mm-hmm. We all have to stand beho- before a holy God, but my, my judgment is harsher than others. So... I have to make sure that what I'm teaching you is the truth from God's heart.
1: Well, and this so. is why I always encourage you to, to, to be as blunt and bold as, as you can and get the message out there. We live in this sugar-coated world where, well, you can't offend people. You can't say things too strong. You know, everybody says, well, you can't judge. Well, what do you mean you can't? Of course you can judge. You try going try through your life without judgment. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I, I, mean I, make, I, I make judgments constantly. You know, do I take a call? Do I not? Yeah. You know, who, who do I talk to? What do I do? What are my subjects? You, can, you know, we're talking about white guy stuff today. I mean, that was a judgment. Literally everything we do here is judgment. Um, but I was thinking, as you're talking, uh, back in my flight instructor days, and so, you know, you think, well, who's the ultimate authority? You know, the FAA. You know, they, they give you the rules that you have to follow. It's all written in the book. I said, that's my ultimate authority. My ultimate authority was the families of the people that I taught to fly. That was who I was answering to. Because if I didn't teach their family member how to fly properly, I was endangering not only that family member, but everybody else in that family that was going to fly with them and everybody under them on the ground and every other airplane in the sky. So my responsibility, I took this just like you take your responsibility seriously. My responsibility was to everybody that that student of mine was going to come in contact with in the air or, or under them on the ground. And that's what I had to answer to. That's right. So I had to be better. So I had to be better than the FAA because the FAA standard wasn't as good as my own. My own standard was a hell of a lot higher. And I'm not trying to, you know, blow my own horn here, but the, the truth was that, that pilots did come back to me afterwards, sometimes years later, and says, here's what you taught me that wasn't in the syllabus that saved me, my family, my kids. I'll tell you, let me give you one example. This is kind of interesting. Um, a friend of mine, uh, Cessna had a problem where the, the seat latches would break. And the seat would go back far enough that you couldn't reach the controls. So I had a student that had this happen. And a lot of people have died because they sit there with their seat back and, oh, what do I do? And, you know, planes get out of control. But in their head, they think, oh, I can't take my seatbelt off. You know, that's against the rules. And I'm like, do what you need to do to save yourself. So I always tell my students how to be resourceful, how to be creative, how to whatever it took to, to save yourself. That's what you do. So my student pops up his belt, crawls up on his knees and flies the airplane on his knees. Problem solved, right? But he said the reason he thought to do that is because of the tra- – isn't that wild? It's a wild story. He said, but the reason he thought to do that is because of the training. He heard my voice in his head saying, do something, get creative, try something. What's going to work? You know, and because of that, he hops out and flies the airplane on his knees and then brings the seat up and eventually you know, fixes it. But uh, you know, uh, instead of having a, having a fatal situation, a situation where everything was fine. But that, that was my standard, Absolutely. and that was, like the, that was like the perfect reward. And so, so I knew I was doing my job because I heard stories like, oh, people that, that had horrendous crosswinds that they landed in that were way beyond what the, what the FAA required me to teach in. I said, well, let's, let's see what you can do. Let's, let's go for the maximum. And I, 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 had, I taught people how to do a one-wheel landing in ridiculous crosswinds. Would they ever have to use it? Maybe not, but some did, you know, one, one in particular. Another student, same thing. I can't believe you taught me those ridiculous crosswinds. I had to do that. Oh, okay, cool. you know, so but that was the standard, and that's, and that's how it, that, was, that was how it validated everything that I did was right in the same way that, that you get well, let me ask you how, do you, how do you get validated that what you're teaching people about God is right? It's got to come back to you somehow in stories or people or something.:
4: Well, um I just had something a little surprise last week as a matter of fact, because you know, I, I don't really I don't look around to for validation. Um, uh-huh. that, that's, that'll get you in trouble and get you depressed well, mine because expected. if you're waiting for people, I, I, you
1: know, Yeah, you do it anyway <laughs> yeah, regardless. You, know, you don't expect the validation, but when it happens, it's like, oh, gee, you know, that's really kind of cool. Yeah,
4: because yeah, you know, somebody had posted on... Um, uh, we were on the same thread and we were posting on the same thread and um, somebody had asked me, well, where did we end up? And, um, and I said, well, we're in Robertsdale, Alabama. And uh, a lady that I had um known in in another state, um, mm-hmm. posted underneath that and she said something to the effect of, um, I'm so glad you're back here, you know, that I always know that if I if I need serious prayer I can call you. You know, if if I need something a practical, you know, I can call you. If I can it if whatever it is, you know, if I need an encouraging word, I know I I can depend on you. It's like so hmm. that can that just bless me, you know, um, yeah. because you don't know how other people uh, perceive you. You don't know how you, know how you affect anybody else in their life because, you know, that's not something you generally have a conversation about, um, you know, because I'm just about serving people. You know, what can I do to meet your need, you know, um, in the name of Jesus? How, how can I show you the love of God um, in a practical way? And um, so you you just never know what impact you're making um, mm-hmm. because I'm more concerned about the vertical relationship. You know, God, am, am I right before you today? Um, mm-hmm. And you know, and there are times when you know He'll say, you know, <laughs> you probably could have handled that better. And and I know, like as soon as I've done or said something.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. <dang. laughs> But but you can make <laughs> corrections too, and I, I, and, I, it's like I tell people on the show all the know, time. It's, if you say something completely wrong, just correct it. Don't 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 sit there and, and whimper and run away. And you know, just say hey. Because I screw up on it, you know. Say, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I, I really, I let me phrase it like this, you know. And so that's okay. That's human frailing. It's not that yeah. we uh, make mistakes. Making mistakes is the problem. Not correcting them. That's the problem.
3: That's the problem. That's right.
1: You yeah. know,
3: and
4: and sometimes and God is very gracious. I mean, He doesn't come at me with. You know the the, the built-in hand. You know he just says, you know, <laughs> why don't we revisit this and see how we can correct that for the next time? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And,
4: and he's so he's so gracious. You know that's where his grace comes in. He is gracious. He's, he's not here to beat you up. He's here to say, hey, there's there's a better way to handle that. You know, let let's talk mm-hmm. about it. Um, yeah, yeah. And for everybody who is struggling, saying, look, you know, I I tried that church thing and it's just too hard. I I can't meet the standard and you know, of perfection. Well, you know, it's not about perfection. Um and it, it is and it's not about works. It's about loving God and finding out more and more who He is. And the more you find out who He is, um, the the easier it becomes because it's not about works and and, and how hard you're trying. Um, so I just want to leave everybody with a very encouraging verse and it's Philippians four thirteen. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because it's not on your own strength that you're walking with Jesus anyway. It's his. So, um, just hang on to him, get to know him and bow now over with the rush.
1: (laughs) Is there another part to that, Wendy? I'm just curious. Did you leave off anything?
4: (laughs) I think that pretty much says it all, but okay. (laughs) Sorry. I couldn't resist. (laughs) I know (laughs) you're funny.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so uh, like I say, I have my moments. Uh, but what's interesting though is I think that um, one of the revelations for me is that you know as you you know walk with Christ individually, you're also walking with everybody else who's walking with Christ. So it's not really that individual. Yeah. You know, that's and I think exactly people right. miss. I think people miss that, and that's something they that think. Well, it's, I have to do all this work for for God, and I have to do this, and all these rules I have to follow. You know, and and you think you're going to be on your own. No, you're on your own in the church that separates you from God. That's where you're on that's your own. That's right. You know, yeah, but once you yep. once you yep. join yep. the group, uh, you know of, of the fellowship yep. of people walking with Christ, it's like, oh, I guess we're all in this together. This is kind of cool, and that's where the support comes from. And people don't just, realize. Yeah. And you don't even have to see these people. You just you just feel it. It's just there. It's a presence.
4: It's you know, family. And, and, yeah. When you are in the right church, you feel family like you have never understood family. Mm-hmm. Because that's what God created us for, is to be his family. Hmm. Not to be separated from him, but to be included in his family. And yeah, all
1: so the benefits that.
4: that has with it.
1: Yeah, I haven't found that in a church yet. Um, you know, just, I'll tell you where I do find those here at Action Radio. We've got people who've never met. We've got people across the country, <laughs> all ages, from 16 to 75. You know, um, all all the different, you know, diversity classifications. Uh, including uh, Marco over in Europe, who's who's listening pretty much every day now in, in the Netherlands. Uh, and here we are. How did we come together? If that's not holy, I don't know what is.
4: <laughs> well, family is a wonderful thing, um, no matter where you are in the world. It's just important to be part of your family. You know, mm-hmm. I'm just the, the best family, though, is God's family. So that's what I'm here just to encourage people. Check it out. You'll love it.
1: Sounds good. Talk next week. Thank you. That's uh all right. Karen, I'll, I'll have to read more carefully and see what the what the missing sections are to all all this stuff out there. <laughs> it's fascinating. That's a metaphor okay. for everything. You know, read the fine print, folks. <laughs> Don't leave out the back half of the contract. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Thank you, Wendy. Oh, contact information. Yeah, oh. contact information. We didn't do that yet. Yep.
4: Uh you can reach me on Facebook at Wendy Arthur or Art by Wendy Arthur or you can catch me on Dimensions Ministries.
1: Feel free. That sounds good. Okay. All right, 8.09 Central Time, and bye now. And I'm uh, going to play a few things for you, and then come back. We've got the whole rest of the show. We're, we're wide open. There's nothing. Uh, I, I've got agenda stuff. I've got articles. But we're just going to wing it like we normally do, and I'll be right back. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink you make your energy drink yourself Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce so our listeners get a 20% discount all you do is add our code W-Y-L to the discount code window at checkout W-Y-L comes from our website Write Your Laws so you can get your energy drink a 20% discount and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend Jason Myers and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand Your Ground is located at 6632 Elba Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website, and learn how you can best stand your ground. You know, I'd love to have more commercials, um, but to do that, I need more sponsors. So sponsors, let's hear from you. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60-second spots available for your announcements. And we have three-minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener. And help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. Yeah, start by a white guy, just in case you were curious. <laughs> you had a little fun with that with, with Bill and I this morning. Pianchi's still in line. Marco's in the Netherlands and uh, live chat, and that's about it so far. So we're pretty much open for the rest of the show. Uh, by the time we get to Wednesday, you know, Monday and Tuesday are, are much more structured uh, in terms of our reporters. But uh, first of all, I'm glad to have Bill back, which is great. I wish he had an hour of report time. Uh, Probably same thing with Wendy. I could easily give her an hour as well, but uh, they seem to uh, really sort of set up our our Wednesdays. And now I got time, so I don't have an extra interview prepared. I've got maybe a couple things. I'll play Sedition Act um, is always a good one, and the uh, the Danbury Baptist, the whole Jefferson thing, because people totally misunderstand the church and state. But other than that, um, Pianki, if you want to join in the conversation anytime, feel free. There's uh, there's a lot of things going on. One of the biggest ones. Um, is what just happened with us here in Florida with action radio, you know, giving our congressman a constitutional amendment, uh, to take away, uh, the power of Congress to borrow money. And although he joked with me in public and then talked to me seriously after the, um, uh, the presentation, uh, that's a real thing. And it becomes more and more necessary now that there, there is no debt ceiling that these people have given themselves the power to spend anything they want. And it was interesting. Last night, um, or the third installment, maybe it was last night or the night before, I'm not sure, but Tucker Carlson's Carlson's third uh, Twitter show, and he's getting more bold. It's really kind of fun. He was was good before, but now the gloves are off. He can say anything he damn well pleases, and that's why I think he went to Twitter. Uh, A lot of people think that. It's not not an original thought with me, but what's interesting was he was talking about how Trump uh, incurred the wrath of the the deep state, and he played a, a clip of when Trump was in a debate and he talked about the Iraq war. He said the Iraq war was completely unnecessary. There was no reason for it. He said there were no weapons of mass destruction. They lied about it so they could get into the war, so they could spend trillions of dollars for nothing. Nothing came of it. Nothing, uh, you know, stopped short of, uh, you know, I mean, I, I offer the usual qualification. I, you know, God bless the troops that go and fight, but I wish they didn't have to because I wish they were not ordered to go, because there was no reason to go to Iraq. Iraq was not going to attack us. Iraq, unless, And if they had a nuclear bomb, then we'd just uh, take out their nuclear facilities their or their military that, that is capable of delivering a nuclear bomb, whether it's missiles or airplanes or whatever. So we can handle these things. You know, the idea that we uh, – and, and back to the constitutional amendment. The idea that we have to borrow money to fight a war is crazy. The, re, the next real war is going to be fought in about an hour. You know, it'll be over with, with – uh, you know, and, and someday they'll have uh, – you know, drone air force is controlled by supercomputers. So they'll all be fought with machines. People won't even be involved. They'll be sitting in the bunker somewhere with the, you know, with the master supercomputer pushing a button, you know, that, that runs the whole program. Uh, and so that's kind of different. So, so uh, But that bill, uh, that is going to be huge because it changes everything. It takes away um, the, the government, uh, the military industrial complex uh, to fight a war for, for 20 years and spend, you know, $6 trillion. That's why that bill is so important. And once people realize it's possible, things are going to change. Anyway, so that's why I think Trump will favor it. Once I can get word to him, hopefully Matt Gates will pass on the bill to Donald Trump at some point. In fact, I had this this vision of maybe asking him to call Trump, but the indictment was still so fresh that I thought, yeah, I thought I thought better of that idea. But you never know. I mean, I might do it someday. I'm not I'm afraid to do it. I just try and exercise judgment. So so Tucker talks about Trump. Trump talks about wars. Trump, you know, and he says he could end the the uh, the Ukraine war. Uh, in 24 hours, and I believe that because that war never had to happen. That is a U.S. manufactured war, so that people can spend money, and they don't care. We talked about this the other day. They don't care how many uh, uh, Ukrainians are killed. They don't care how many Russians are killed, because as far as they're concerned, it's the same thing. It's like a civil war, you know. And, and so Russia's fighting Russia, basically. You know, previous Russian territory is, is fighting, you know, Russia, the mother country, <laughs> you know, Mother Russia, and so they don't care how many people are lost. They just care how much money they can. Uh, Uh, Get there, you know, from American taxpayers so they can all get rich, transfer of money from people who work hard and and pay taxes to those that uh, make weapons for a war that should never be fought. That's unjust. And so Tucker talked about it. Trump talked about it. And that's where we stand. Um, But uh, getting back to Trump again. So they can't they hate him. So what Tucker was saying was because Trump made the stand against foreign wars and, and foreign policy, that's bad and the perpetual spending of trillions of dollars to make uh, a beltway bull and military contractors rich, he says that's really why they're going after Trump. You know, that is the number one reason. He says that uh, he says, during debt ceiling debates, you know, the two sides, they get together and they, they yell at each other. But in, in actual fact, they're going to spend the money. You know they're going to spend the money. Uh, he says, but the one thing you can't say, you can't stop a foreign war. Foreign wars are meant to be fought forever at the cost of trillions of dollars. We don't care how, how many American lives are lost, um, but as long as the war continues and the money is spent, then uh, the deep state is happy. And he's absolutely right. So that's why they don't want Trump. The biggest reason is because Trump stops the wars. Well, that's a good thing. <laughs> you know, what, didn't we go through the whole 60s so that we'd stop fighting wars for no reason? Well, you know, except that the 60s kids are now the ones who are making all the money from the wars. See, that's the problem. So, so all these things are happening all at once. Uh, Trump's indictment is completely bogus. Uh, it's designed to, uh, to stop him from running so that he doesn't stop foreign wars and doesn't stop the spending of money. And that's really what Trump's doing. You know, in, in his administration, he stopped the outrageous borrowing and spending. Uh, and He stopped the foreign wars. Well, you can't do that if you're a neocon, you know, uh, current Congress member. That's what they do. They spend money and they create wars. That's the, that's the whole reason. Nothing else matters to them. They don't care about the people. They don't care about what happens to uh, the rest of the country. All they want to do is spend money and create wars. And that's what has to change. And, you know, and, and Trump's the one person that doesn't want to do that. So I'm listening to news, and um, Mike Pence is on. Mike Pence, the traitor. Mike Pence, the one who was there to observe Trump and probably report to his deep state masters. Um, but he talked about uh, the, the Trump uh, allegations. He says, these are serious charges. Well, they are serious charges. They just don't apply to Trump. You know, it's like when, when Tim Scott said, uh, you know, it's, it's not that Trump is guilty, that Trump is innocent until proven guilty. And he thought he was saying something good. No, what you should be saying, Tim Scott, is Trump is innocent. Okay? You, you can't prove somebody guilty of a crime that doesn't exist. You can't prove somebody guilty of, of doing something that the law allows them to do anyway. So rather than say Trump is innocent until proven guilty, that just plays into the left. What they really should be saying is Trump is innocent. Why are you wasting our time? You know, let's go after the real criminals. And that's what Trump did in his speech last night. He spent his whole speech going after the real criminals. Hillary, Obama, uh, Susan Rice, you know, uh, and, of course, the biggest one of all, Joe Biden and family. And so that's what he did. It was really quite fascinating. So that's what's happening there. Um, of course, today we've got a couple yeah, things. Trump. Oh, yeah, go ahead.
3: Yeah, Susan Rice was the one that was running the operation behind snooping on him. And mm-hmm. nobody would say nothing to her because she's black. I will. And anyone
1: that would have said something
3: to her would no, have been white. White has been paralyzed.
1: And even in that aspect, well, Trump isn't though. You know what's interesting about Trump? Trump has, uh, and you look at his record. He's uh, something I noticed about him very early on. He he doesn't uh, defer to women, you know, if they're if they're in positions of power, and especially if they're abusing positions of power. Because he's hired women, he's hired you know, every minority, he cheats you know, he, he people as people. So because he treats people as people, he's one of the few people that actually treated women politicians as equals. Because he went after them exactly the way he would have gone after them if they were men. He went after Hillary. And people say, oh, that's, that's not very genteel or gentlemanly of him. Well, Hillary's not very ladylike, so it doesn't matter. She's a criminal. Why would you treat a female criminal differently than you treat a male criminal? So Trump was actually the, the one person who treated people equally. And if they were equally guilty, he went after them. And so Trump did some very good things. So he's not paralyzed by this. He's not paralyzed by uh, calling out um, black leaders and bad generals and uh, you know, different things. He, he's not. And that's another reason I think that they, they hate him. Just as we're not afraid of doing this stuff, but we don't have the audience Trump has. He's got a lot more responsibility. But uh, he's not paralyzed by that, and I think that really affects him because they can't use that against him because he doesn't care. What do you think? Hmm.
3: Well, yeah, you have a good way of putting things. As I told mm-hmm. you before, some you of those uh, slogans you make, you should write them down and become famous quotes.
1: Actually, yeah. I have. Um, I've got an article called uh, My Conservative Glossary. It's on my Substack, com. I put them all there, and I update it periodically. <laughs> yeah, I've got some new ones. Uh, let's see if I can uh, pull it right now. So what are my new ones? Well, you know my new one, right? Fuels versus um, Fossil Fuels. That's probably the latest one. Let's Let me see if I can find my glossary and just move some stuff from my computer screen. For well, the one what, that
3: yeah. he's guilty until proven, he's innocent until proven guilty. Uh-huh. but they didn't prove him innocent of a crime that does not exist.
1: You no, know, they just say he's innocent. Why, why do they have to say innocent until proven guilty? Because as soon as you introduce the word guilty, now, now you've, you've cast him in a negative light. So if they really supported him, mm-hmm. they would say he's innocent. And of course he's innocent because he's innocent. In fact, I had, I had to do this on a Facebook post this morning to a friend of mine. Who's a, 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 a rabid anti-Trump? Uh, what is it Never Trump? She's a complete Never Trumper. So everything she says is is under the light of Never Trump. So she says, "How could you support somebody, um, you know, that's a, that that stole documents? Uh, is you know nobody's above the law?" And I said, well, "Of course nobody's above the law, but that's not the point. He didn't break the law. So so why is this even a thing?" So, yeah, it's quite fascinating. You cannot convict something, somebody of, of, of not breaking the law, <laughs> you know, but that's what they're doing. So I try and make, through absurdity, I try and make things logical through absurdity by giving ridiculous examples of why, why things look as stupid as they do. Um, but that's, that's, how I, that's how I make examples. And to me, it makes sense. You take something complex and you say something, I'm trying to think of something, because I've, I've said a bunch of these recently, but uh, that would be the latest one. You can't convict somebody, you know, uh, of uh, breaking a law that doesn't exist. <laughs> it's just, you know. Um, I'm looking for my glossary here. I know it's here somewhere. I've got, I got a very crowded computer desktop, which is unfortunate. There's my article ideas. Hang on, I'll find it here. Where's my glossary? This is no fun. I must have moved it. I do that periodically. Huh. Anyway, I'll find it. I'll find it when I'm looking for something else. But, yeah. So, uh But why don't they say that? Why don't they say uh, he's innocent instead of saying he's innocent until proven guilty? Or as the left says, nobody's above the law. They only say that because they think he's guilty of something. They never say that about people like Hillary or or Joe Biden because they are above the law. Well,
3: all of this is due to the biases in the news. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: The news have conditioned people has marinated people into a certain belief about Donald Trump. You know, it's just, uh, it's just awesome how they went from
1: one allegation to the other. From
3: well, gold they and
1: that, and pay they're saying that the charges themselves justify convicting him. It's because they've made the charges, that's a guilty conviction. And they say, well, he's innocent until proven guilty, but we all think – you know, what did I say on Facebook? They, they say Trump is innocent until proven guilty as long as he's proven guilty. <laughs> you know, so, so they only say that as lip service. They really don't mean that. What they really mean is he's guilty. We'll say he's innocent until proven guilty as long as we can prove him guilty. That's on my Facebook.
3: Well, we can understand what a deep state, but look how it has affected the population in general. Uh-huh. Public opinion.
1: Well, in, in terms of what, what um, I think Trump's doing really well. I mean, every time they they try and convict him of some bogus charge, he gets more popular and he makes more money. But he keeps beating them. I mean, psychologically, he beats them every time. It's really kind of funny. One guy taking on this entire deep state complex, and they can't they can't get Trump because he's honest. See, that's the thing that they can't figure out. We've, we've talked about this before on the show. Yeah, Trump but, is probably uh, the only person out there uh, because they don't have anything. Yeah, to do with it. Uh-huh. You got news media that's just saying just the opposite. The news media
3: is castigating him, uh-huh. and you talk about the sides. There are two sides. The other side consists uh-huh. of many factors of which don't understand, can't comprehend, can't even read.
1: Yeah, well, and they go to vote. Yeah, that's another story. But you figure that both the news media and the politicians are owned by somebody else. See, this is the other thing that can't stand about Trump. Not only is he honest, but he's not owned by anybody. He's got enough money. He doesn't need donors. And he can fund his own campaign. See, this is why he's so good. And and I thought about this. I didn't realize it, but I thought about this, you know, like 20 years ago. I said, we really need somebody that's rich enough to never be uh, bribed, to never be owned. This is why DeSantis will never be a good candidate, because he needs money. It's a sad thing, but true. But it, it, you really need billionaires to run. You need benevolent billionaires. You need people like Donald Trump running uh, who are immune to the donors because it's so expensive to run for president. So we need, even need to change the system so that people can run without having billions of dollars uh, or we need to take the money out of it. You know, I would like to see a, a poll. Yeah, by, Was it you who came up with it? Was it you who came up with the poll idea where we just everybody writes down like the top you know, 50 people they want to be president? And we use that to to uh select maybe ten and then have them run.
3: Well you look at the industries, Joe Biden has killed and laid people off. Steel, lumber, aluminum, those industries Trump had back running again, profitable, the supporting uh, businesses to those industries like Mm-hmm. restaurants and mom and pop shops, supply stores, they uh, all have demise.
1: Well so uh, the, no, mean, the, uh, Yeah, go ahead.
3: He, he made it possible for three mm-hmm. aluminum manufacturers to come back that supply aluminum to manufacture like Boeing aircraft. Mhm. Now they gotta go back to buying from Russia.
1: Steel well, gotta the go problem. back to buying from Russia. Yeah. See, Biden is being paid for. I don't know if Biden is being paid for by Russia. It wouldn't surprise me. I know he's being paid for by China. So all the industries that China wants, steel, lumber, paper, you know, rare earth uh, minerals, things like that, all the stuff that they have that they want to sell to us. See, we're paying for China to take us over. We're talking about, uh, you know, absolute communism and things like that earlier from coming from China. We are paying for our own destruction and they are paying our agents of government to destroy our country and basically make us subservient to China. So China can be beaten. Gordon Chang talks about this. He says, China's in really terrible shape. You know, their economy sucks. They've got nothing but men. There's, there's no families that are, you know, because they killed off all their women with the abortion policy. Mm-hmm. So they're really, economically, the only reason they're existing is because we keep them financial alive, but we shouldn't do that. So well, think, uh, allowed, Carol, you have
3: created China. millionaires and eat possibly billionaires as now. Venturing over into the United States under the disguise of the Americans, Chinese citizens, and starting to get engaged in things that they otherwise never would have been engaged in, shouldn't be engaged in. No mm-hmm. foreigners should own a port. No foreigners nope. should own national airlines. No war- foreigners should own water supply, electrical supplies,
1: or farmland. Maybe. Yeah, shouldn't own farmland, farmland Yeah. Yeah. So no so in other words, they shouldn't own anything that's a, that's a resource or, or strategically important. Foreigners shouldn't own oil reserves. They shouldn't own uranium. Uh, so when Hillary gave away twenty percent of the uranium, you know, I would make it put it on her to get it back. So you're gonna buy it back, you know. Otherwise, you're going to jail. You know. So find a way. <laughs> find a way to get our aluminum back. I mean, our our uranium back. But yeah, no, they, they are paying people. See, now here's the thing too. This is another advantage of Trump. See, China can China can never pay Trump enough money to betray. Our country, but Joe is easy to buy. They can buy Joe. He'll betray his country. He doesn't care. There's even a clip where he talks about being a, a political prostitute. Let me see if I can find that. Well, I'll find it. I'll, I'll, actually, I'll post it afterwards. But Joe actually said that I'm a political prostitute. I'll take money from anybody. Well, that's very nice. <laughs> anyway, um, so I got some different things to talk about. Those are those are my opening lines I was going to talk about before I found out that uh, the Bill was coming back. Which is kind of cute which is kind of cool so i got fly business that's, that's the
3: law that needs to be is they're What's taking that? the money like they're mm-hmm. if people being talking money you look at the one down there in louisiana uh congressman jefferson had the money in his freezer that he was getting from nigerian business people
1: mm-hmm. cash well the nigerian business people are in the district i don't care because then that's just uh that's just a, an expense but what we really need is a bill Can We buy the uh, politics? That, yeah, the the money can only come in from the jurisdiction of the office. So in other words, if it's a congressional uh, office, it can only come in from that district. If it's a senate office, it can only come in from that state. Uh, you can't have out of state money coming in. President, you know, can be yeah. anywhere because that's the only that's the only office that represents the country. You know, but if you're a mayor, money can only come from the city that you that you're intending to be mayor of. So we need a bill. I should write this down here. I think I put it in my great ideas folder. So bill. You've gotta have
3: um, you got to have a constitutional amendment. Them Congress people ain't going to pass no bill like that.
1: No, states can. <clears throat> well, the state legislatures can. In fact, the legislatures control the, the federal elections. So they could pass it. They could say that no money yeah, can come yeah, it to us. Senate or, it has to or be a House Congress race. race. It yeah. It has
3: to be something that's started in the state. It can't be something that's started in Congress. Congress never
1: will put handcuffs
3: on themselves.
1: No, I know. I know that because they, they pass bills that don't apply to them. They apply to everybody else. So I'm just writing something down here. And their salary need to be cut. No, I don't. I think kind of salary only. Be, you know, they Kiley should Salley wait until they the 65 and start gathering attention. Well, that's true. Like no, they, they should get no more than a for you want, to reg, you want to regulate the government jobs so that there's no advantage to being... I would actually set uh, government salaries uh, and benefits at two-thirds that are available in the private sector. So that the reason... Because they get, they get uh, more job security in, in the government sector, but they shouldn't make more money for being in government. In fact, they should actually make less money for being in government. So we can do that, too. There shouldn't but, uh, be I'm no also... pension for...
3: No, there shouldn't be no pension for Congress. Let no,
1: there shouldn't.
3: go go there, do what they're going to do, come back and get back into the private
1: sector. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let them be on social security like they make us do. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I found something interesting as I'm touring around through all my, uh, different subjects here. In fact, let me, let me, uh, let me give my, one of my subject break, uh, things here that will that will sort of, uh, Clear the air. Uh, where's the one I want? Where is it? I wish I could find things faster. This takes too long. All right, here we go. So a little subject break time. Action radio. Dangerously cool. All right. So what I want to talk about is QAnon. For a little bit, because QAnon seems to be back in the news. Uh, I looked up some some things. I got some posts. The last post I have is actually from November uh, of 2022, so the posts are like six months old. But apparently, it's riding up in the news again. People are getting all paranoid about QAnon. Now, problem I have uh, is that the, the the QAnon folks are talking about the same stuff that Josie talks about. You know that uh, Trump's going to come riding in and he's controlling this. Space Force, and uh, you know the military is going to have tribunals and arrest uh, thousands and thousands of people, and we just have to wait and be patient. Apparently, that, that, that appears to be right out of QAnon. So I find that interesting, but that's, and that's what a lot of people believe. Um, and I've talked about fo- what I call false conspiracies versus real ones. The real conspiracy is the election was stolen. Uh, the real conspiracy is that Flight 800 was shot down by a missile. real conspiracy is that Building 7 of the World Trade Center collapsed, but it was not hit by an airplane. These are all real. The false conspiracy is that Trump and the military are going to take over the government and arrest thousands of people. Now, Trump did say he's going to arrest thousands of people. He said that last night. He's going to have a special prosecutor. He's going to go after all the election fraud, all the perpetrators of uh, of the sole election, everything else. He doesn't need a military tribunal or special intelligence people to do that. He just needs to be in control of the Justice Department. So, again, uh, QAnon, to me, is, is amusing, but I think it's a false conspiracy. But the fact that the left is so apoplectic about it is funny. So I got a bunch of articles. I got some. Um, I got some interesting quotes, and and the, the latest site is QAnon So for those that uh, want to check it out, it's hard to find where QAnon is. I look for the uh, eight or the four chan and the eight C U N and all these other different things like that or K U N or whatever. So, but I found something here at uh, QAnon.news. dot news. Now apparently you cannot post QAnon sites on Facebook. Because it violates the community standards. So these these nebulous posts that sound like Nostradamus are apparently such a threat community standards on Facebook. But I found a couple interesting here. So the latest one is uh, when's this from? Six fourteen. So that would be today. <laughs> you know, it says they want to take away my freedom because I will never let them take away your freedom. And that but that's a Trump quote, all right? And it's got a media link. So then you click on the media link, and then it says, oh. Oh, that's an audio clip, so I can't play that. It says, I will totally obliterate the deep state. I know exactly who they are. That's from the speech last night. I'm not going to deal there. I found a different one here. got uh, uh, another quote here. Uh, In MSNBC, won't carry Trump's remarks live because there's a cost to us as a news organization to knowingly broadcast untrue things. Well, except those things aren't untrue. <laughs> why, would you, why would they think of that as, as untrue? Now, one of these I found interesting, which had some good information on it, trying to think of which one. Uh, oh, here's the one I found. Yeah, so let me go back and read the read the post. This is a QAnon post. So the QAnon post is Seth Keschel. K-E-S-H-E-L. K-E-S-H-E-L uh, and this is from, I guess this is all 614. This is all like today. Uh, it says, propagandists write hit pieces about election deniers and fail to observe simple math. And I thought, well, that's interesting. What's that about? So I clicked on the media link and I found this Seth Keschel Captain K. He says, free math lesson, no paywall. So this is a QAnon, supposedly, uh, publication, but it seems to make a lot of sense. He says propagandists write hit pieces about election deniers and fail to observe simple math. Out of the whole, in other words, the 100%. He says 62% believe the 2020 election election was fraudulent. That's true. Well, 100 minus 62 is 38%. Dumbasses <clears throat> who either believe it was fair or didn't opine either way. That means five in eight Americans believe the election was fraudulent. Three in eight Americans, three in eight Americans are mentally deficient or reside in libtardia. <laughs> Who exactly should we be reading articles about? Yeah. So, so most people believe the election was stolen. That's a QAnon post. Why is that a threat? The election was stolen. We talk about that all the time. Uh, here's another one. Support for transgenderism is cratering. So what they're, what they're doing now, is that going to be another, oh, I got a cartoon. It's <laughs> like some guy sitting on the moon in a crater. So anyway, those are, those are Q, supposedly QAnon posts. QAnon.news. I don't think there's anything that threatening there. Seems to me pretty straightforward, and yet the media, the media has gone apoplectic. Bianchi, what do you know about QAnon? Very little. Okay.
3: And I'm going you to have a
1: QAnon. i to drop
3: and listen to you. I things they got to get done. When I continue listening, if something hop up, I'll
1: pop back in. Okay, Well, that sounds good. Well, I'll, I'll talk for a little bit, but uh, I may not do two hours today simply because, you know, I don't want to. Uh, well, we'll see. We'll see how it goes.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: I need more reporters. I need another one for Wednesday and another one for Thursday. You know, I only need an hour off per day to, to rant. <laughs> Once I've got my rant done, then then I'm good. So I'm looking for more reporters. At least we had two people today. We had Bill Wendy. Um, but That was only the first hour and they have half hour reports. All right. So, so the QAnon thing has me kind of fascinated. Apparently there was a big, you know, brouhaha back uh, a while back as to uh, the QAnon folks being, you know, going crazy here. So, let me see if I want to talk about that one. Nah, an old, I'm going to get to a, a newer article. Uh, when's this one from? CNET. Sounds like a foreign source. QAnon explained. Q returns after 18 months of silence. Oh, boy. And this is from uh, QAnon hasn't gone away. I'm trying to get you a date on this article. doesn't say. It probably does. I just can't find it. And I can't find who wrote it. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, it says QAnon. Well, let me give you the website at least. Uh, this is CNET, C-N-E-T. So I guess they're a, this is your guide to a better future. Well, that's kind of funny. Article says QAnon, the far-right pro-Donald Trump false conspiracy theory that asserts the former president was in a secret war against a cabal of pedophile Satanists in Hollywood and the Democratic Party appeared to be lacking direction after the mysterious figure named Q went silent in December 2020. Last week, the account started posting again. So all these leftists were watching Q like crazy because they knew before I knew that Q and QAnon was posting again. Anyway, this is the post, also referred to by QAnon believers as the Q drop. <clears throat> that market return happened on the 24th of July on 8KUN. That's what it was, KUN, as opposed to 4Chan, C-H-A-N. C-H-A-N. The, anonymous, the anonymous image board, formerly known as 8Chan. Oh, there we go. I guess they changed from 4Chan to 8Chan. And it says, shall we play a game once more? The post read, two more posts were made soon after. So here we go. So Q's back. It says, for the first time, it's December 8th, 2020. Q from QAnon, or someone using his password, posted to 826, uh, uh, on uh, June 24th. And so, says, are you ready to serve your country again? Remember your oath. <laughs> well, is that dangerous? I don't know. Then Q said, uh, throw us a bone, Q. We've all been waiting for what uh, seemed like eternity. What's going on? And then Q says it had to be done this way. So I guess he had to disappear for a while. But that's, that's the thing, uh, is that uh, the people that don't like Q talk about this, this huge conspiracy. of uh, Again, pedophile Satanists in Hollywood and the Democrat Party um, and that Trump's going to wage the secret war. He's going to bring in the military. You know, he's going to have the space report This is what Josie talks about, and I don't believe it. <laughs> I just don't, uh, but it's funny to read. That's why I do it. So, and so I read this article, something of yesterday, so I'm not going to get into the details of that. That's kind of dull. You know, explain. Let's see if I can get you another one here. But the actual conspiracy itself is kind of interesting. So this is Vice News. Q is back and tearing the Q and world apart. David Gilbert, June 30th, 2022, you know, last year. Last year things are big. Oh, here's the Trump JFK flag. That's interesting. Anyway, uh, the owner and operator of 8KUN, the fringe message board that the, the anonymous leader of QAnon calls home, has over the course of the last week made multiple egregious and obvious errors that provide clear evidence that he is behind the first Q post after 18 months of silence. Uh oh. I think they think they found the real Q. So on 8KUN, the members of the Q research board where Q posts their Q drops are angry, very angry at what they see as a clear and obvious violation of the rules of the website. So, so they're getting all upset about this. Uh, so let me see. Okay. So yeah. Uh, this is Q drops appear to be written, not by a secret military intelligence insider, but by a 58 year old pig farmer who's obsessed with fountain pens. <laughs> I'm sorry. That to me is funny. That's like that Facebook post that said that uh, you know, nobody opened the invitations. Um, that came in the mail from, uh, for Ted Kaczynski's funeral. That's funny, too. I'll let you figure out why. Uh, let's see if I can find. This is a different stuff here. I want to get the actual conspiracy, because this is what they're saying, is that people that believe in QAnon think there's a satanic cult that's running uh, child pornography and pedophile rings all, all over the world um, and that uh, that Q will you know, bring everybody together. And, again, the military is going to take over the country and Trump's going to run the Space Force and uh, thousands of people are be arrested, and we just have to wait. And that's exactly what Josie says pretty much every week. Uh, And this is where I I challenge it. But I thought I'd get some more details, see if I could find out what's going on. So here's Yahoo News. Another take on QAnon. Yahoo News, again, this is June 24th, 2022. So basically last year, the Anonymous Message Board, this is a user known as Q, whose cryptic announcement spawned the fascist pro-Trump QAnon conspiracy theory. So now they call Trump a fascist, right? It's really, like I said, the, the left is so upset about this. That's why I find it interesting. They say it has returned to posting after nearly two-year hiatus. On Friday night, someone with Chris Q's login credentials posted 8KUN, the anarchistic internet community where Q last posted. So that's what I call him now. So so Q only puts on an anar, anarchic, excuse me, internet community. It says, shall we play a game once more? This says, the message is written the same clue like format as thousands of earlier Q posts Q drops by their fans that led to the creation of QAnon in late 2017. Q's followers believe oh, here we go. Q's followers believe the messages explain the world as it really is, controlled by Satan worshiping, child eating pedophiles in the De- Democrat Party uh, finance and other institutions. See that's the part was so fascinating. That's that's pretty bad. Who and, and they, they say it in a way that uh, who would believe that? Who could believe that? You know, people are actually Satan worshiping, child eating pedophiles in the Democrat Party. Well, I don't know. Um, I don't believe it. <laughs> you know, I, I think QAnon is, is amusing but I don't think, uh, I don't believe that, uh, like I say, the military and then Trump's going to control everything and arrest thousands of people and we just have to wait for that to happen. That doesn't make any sense to me. Then he says, in QAnon's telling Donald Trump was recruited by the military to run for president in 2016 to take down the nefarious cabal. Yeah, I've heard this one too. QAnon believers await the storm, an event in which they believe Trump's enemies like Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama will be executed by orders from a military tribunal or imprisoned in Guantanamo Bay. See, I've never heard Certainly not from Josie. I've never heard, but I've never heard from any cute person that they think Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama should be executed. That's absurd. Imprisoned? Sure, because they're criminals. Executed? No. Never heard that. So the government makes up. So they'll take one conspiracy and makes up stuff even worse. So you demonize that conspiracy. But why are they so afraid of cute people? I think it's, they're kind of funny, but pretty harmless. Anyway, the Q poster followed up with two more messages on Friday night. Asked why they had disappeared for more than a year. They wrote, it had to be done this way. Okay, so now the, so they're all getting the same information. So all these Q people are getting the same stuff, which is kind of, kind of interesting enough. All right, so I've got that. Let me get you some Q messages. I actually have some here. So the, the website is qanon.pub, qanon.pub. And the last message from November 27, 2022, what is coded in your DNA? obviously this is a COVID reference, right? Who put it there? Why? Mankind is repressed. We will be repressed no more. Information is knowledge. Knowledge is power. Information is power. Well, that's just a logical proof. How do you protect your DNA? There is a war for your DNA. Protect your DNA. Ascension. Signed by Q. Okay. I don't say anything really dangerous. Then he says, be aware of false prophets. I am not a prophet. You are not a prophet. We are not prophets. Focus on the mission i get you one more here. These are Q quotes, which say they're kind of funny. Here's one too. Runbeck, Dominion, SOS offices, investigators, researchers, whistleblowers, patriots in trusted positions. Trust yourself. You have seen the truth. Time to show the world. Focus, focus, ascension. Q. And this is somehow dangerous? I don't think so. Anyway, so the part of this is that is a lot of people getting very upset. I, this, I don't see a reason to get upset over And yet they do. So they're all kind of worried about that. All right. So it looks like um, Marco's doing his thing somewhere. He might be back. He might not be back. Uh, Pianki's left. And I might stop the show early because I'm bored. <laughs> I just, yeah, I'm sorry. It's, uh, you know, I don't like talking to myself for hours and hours. So once my guests go, I think I might, uh, I might do that until I find other guests. But it seems kind of a slow time of year here. So I can play for you for a little bit to uh, keep going. Let me play the thing that I was going to play with Brianna, but we didn't really have time. The separation of church and state. This is something that's really critical to understand. And once you understand this, um, then it it makes a whole lot more sense. So let me get my uh, church Here it is. So I'll be back in. Uh, oh wait, yeah, it talks about Ben Rosa volunteers. They're not sponsoring the show currently. Uh, hopefully they will again, but they're not right now. So anything you hear about that, that's uh, that's different. So let me play you some stuff and back in a bit. This is Greg Penglis for Action Radio with Founding Moments insights into our founding documents, sponsored by Santa Rosa Volunteers here in Santa Rosa County, Florida. Santa Rosa Volunteers is available at their website, srv1776.com. That's srv1776.com. There is no separation of church and state in the Constitution. Therefore, the Supreme Court can't imagine that it really is there, or should be there, So they can't create the rule out of thin air and then enforce it as if it actually did exist. The biggest problem with the controversy between Thomas Jefferson, then president, and the Danbury Connecticut Baptists, a religious minority, is that everyone focuses on the answer by Thomas Jefferson saying there is a wall of separation between church and state. But they never consider the request made by the Danbury Baptists that Jefferson sought to answer and therefore where the wall of separation actually is. If you only have the answer, then you can make the question anything you want, including making the question fit the answer to advance an agenda, or denying that there even is a question. The question now is whether the government is free from any of the moral constraints or persuasiveness of religion, such that religion and government are walled off in isolation from each other so that government can contemplate and implement any power for themselves without any organized religious participation, debate, opinion, objection, or protest. That is a complete bastardization of the exchange between Jefferson and the Baptists, and has been used to advance a bogus set of laws and court opinions. The background for this controversy comes from the article mentioned below, which says, The First Amendment was meant as a limit on the National Congress only. Madison wanted limits on the states too, but they were rejected. State limitations on religious liberty and establishment persisted after the First Amendment was adopted. Religious tests for office remained in place in most states. In Connecticut, 1818, and Massachusetts in 1833, did not disestablish their official state churches until decades later. The Supreme Court reinforced the idea that the Bill of Rights did not apply to the states, but rather only to the national government in Barron v. Baltimore in 1833. Back to me. Where this becomes especially critical is when the states, not the state, as in government in general, but the individual states, established their own religion and churches because they were not subject yet to the First Amendment. It is in that context that Jefferson is responding to the Danbury Baptists. The key part of the Danbury Baptist letter to Jefferson is this clause: "What religious privileges we enjoy as a minor part of the state we enjoy as favors, granted and not as inalienable rights." And these favors we receive at the expense of such degrading acknowledgments as are inconsistent with the rights of free men. The Danbury Baptists, being a religious minority in a larger group of Congregationalists, which was the state religion of Connecticut, were being discriminated against for not being part of the state religion. And because the First Amendment only referred to Congress making no law, regarding the establishment of a government religion, but left the states free to do so. We had religious freedom at the federal level, but privilege and discrimination at the state level. That is why the Danbury Baptist wrote Jefferson. Now Jefferson respo- Jefferson's response makes sense. He says to the Baptist, believing with you that religion is a matter which lies solely between man and his God, that he owes account to none other than for his faith or his worship, that the legitimate powers of government reach actions only and not opinions. I contemplate with sovereign reverence that acts of the whole American people which declared that their legislature should make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, thus building a wall of separation between church and state put in modern English, the individual relationship between man and God is direct, and the wall of separation is so that the government never crosses that wall between individuals, their churches, and God with state religions, state churches, religious laws and tests, religious qualifications for office, etc., etc. However, there is nothing in law or the Constitution preventing churches, religions, and religious individuals like pastors priests, ministers, etc., and just regular folks, too, from exercising moral persuasion, evaluation, and criticism over government because the free exercise of religion also includes the redress of government for grievances. The wall of separation, of which Jefferson spoke, only works one way. To understand Jefferson and the Baptists, it's not the wall of separation between church and state, it's the wall of separation between the free exercise of religion and any state-established religion. That's it. Everything else is agenda-driven narrative. The source for the Federalist Papers is federalistpapers.org. The Anti-Federalist Papers are from selfeducatedamerican.com. The Articles of Confederation are from U.S.Constitution.net. This episode also used Thomas Jefferson's misunderstood letter to the Danbury Baptists from the Washington, Jefferson, and Madison Institute website. This is Greg Penglis for Action Radio with Founding Moments, sponsored by Santa Rosa Volunteers. Their website is srv1776.com. That's srv1776.com. Please share this report to anyone who needs it. Radio dedicated to fixing everything. Yes, yeah, I'm working on. Actually, there's more going on outside the show that's actually going on during the show. I've got some news. I got some things we've been talking about. Um, the reports. You know, my my two favorite people for for uh, Wednesday, Bill and uh, Wendy, have already done their reports. So I got some stories. I got some things really. The, the, the major things that are happening are things we've already talked about, you know, connecting with Robert Francis Kennedy's campaign, uh, hoping that Tony Lyons from last week, the, the book publisher of uh, Skyhorse Publishing, is actually helping to try and get him elected president. Will will get us connected. That'll be fascinating. Uh, Matt Gates, who has our constitutional amendment to stop Congress borrowing money, hopefully we'll take that to President Trump. That will be interesting. So at least things are out there possibly happening. But on the show, there's not as much going on. So I a couple of news stories. I may stop early. We'll see how it goes. Uh, This one caught my eye from the Cato Institute. It says, the Fed's questionable CBDC campaign. So Cato's really good. Cato's a libertarian think tank. And so if a federal government doesn't have the power to do something, it's probably where you're going to find it first is Cato. And I forgot what that stands for. Uh, I don't think it's like the Green Hornet's partner. Anyway, this is the Fed's questionable CDBC campaign. This is June 12th, so this is just uh, what? It's 14th, two days ago. This is, it's by Nicholas Anthony. Oh, some with two first names. <laughs> In a series of Twitter threads post April 12th, da, 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 the Federal Reserve tried to dispel some of the concerns that Fed now, this is the bad post. is a central bank digital currency or CBDC. To its credit, the Federal Reserve is is largely uh, correct that Fed now and CBDCs are distinct issues. However, the Federal Reserve left out the important part of the story in the campaign, its authority to issue a CBDC. See, that's the thing too. You know, all these agencies do things, but do they actually have the power to do it? And if they don't, and they try to do it, then we have to stop them. Anyway, it says maybe the Federal Reserve's framing of the issue was simply an oversight rather than an intentional effort to mislead anyone. Yet, considering it has been quoted in the Washington Post, AP News, Forbes, Central Banking, and other outlets, this framing should not be allowed to persist. So, you know, let's see what happens. The the issue at hand is where the Federal Reserve said uh, is, you know, well, that's interesting. This is testifying before the House Finance Services Committee in March. Powell, as chairman of the, the Fed, said a central bank digital currency is something we would certainly need congressional approval for. Doesn't mean, they're gonna, doesn't mean they won't do it anyway they're just saying right now they need congressional approval then it says this statement was an attempt to dispel concerns that one of the Federal Reserve's CBD pilots could suddenly go into operation without say any from uh, Congress. Uh, the problem is however that this quote supplied is only half of what chair Powell said told Congress well that's interesting we get a lot of uh, uh, actually that doesn't surprise me um, that we are talking about partial quotes all day got a caller get to you just a little bit it says in his full response chair said that the retail CBDC would require authorizing legislation, but that might not be the case for other forms of CBDCs. This is absolutely the case as it relates to retail CBDC. There are potential forms. Why are we going to get stuff where they say that they can't do it? It says for those who might not remember, it, that'd be me. The Federal Reserve built its entire proposal for CBDCs on the idea of the CBDC being intermediated. Not sure what that means either. Not retail. Okay, so it's concerning to hear Chairman Powell frame the. Con- this is a boring article. <laughs> this is really dull. I, I've had enough of it. See, this is the thing. They they have a great title, and then they don't they don't explain uh, what's going on with it. All right, so let's see if I want to do something else here. I got that one. I got that one. I'm I'm kind of bored today. I might just leave early. Haven't quite decided yet. Uh, I got a call here. Let me see if I can find my my caller on my on my phone chart. See if they've called before. Haven't they? Haven't checked in the live chat. So let's take a look. See here. It's only take a minute. But uh, yeah, it's warm in here too because the air conditioning is loud. So I really can't run it during the show, and that doesn't help. Let's see if I can uh, find my person here. If not, I'll just screen the call. I'll play something and get right back to you. Oh, new caller. Uh, and they haven't checked in the live chat, so let me see. Let's write down the number. And let me see. What can I play for you here? That's going to take a, a little bit of time. Let's see if I get my my book thing. So it's what time is it now? Nine oh one? All right. So let's let's check out. See who my caller is, and I'll be. Right back. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. Well, this is hysterical. Um, this is one of those unusual situations in radio. Something happened that uh, normally I would think shouldn't happen, but it did. Somehow, uh, I didn't get the word, but I got Dr. Brian Artist on the line right now. So I'm on his calendar, but he's not on mine, and I'm not sure why. <laughs> so something happened here. Somebody goofed somewhere along the line. But that's, you know what? I don't care. Uh, it's been so long since I've talked to you. Um, Brian was with us during the World's Greatest Doctors panel. I've got a million questions I can ask him, so I'll do what I do best, which is improvise. Uh, Brian, how are you doing? What's going on?
5: Well, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm sorry that uh, Um, uh, today you said you were bored. I was listening to you on your show. You said you were bored. You were hot. Couldn't get you No,
1: no, I can't because it gets too loud. I can't hear myself think. uh, You know, because it's great after the show, but during the show, I just have my fans going here, so it gets a little toasty in here. But uh, that's because we're sitting in Florida. So, yeah, introduce yourself to our folks that haven't heard you from a while, for a while. And first of all, thank you so much for calling in. I mean, it's always great to talk to you, and so I'm glad you have the time. So I'm not going to, you know, waste this opportunity. But, um, but yeah, what's, what's, what's the latest on COVID? Uh, what's, what are you working on? And just, like I said, just spend a little bit of time introducing yourself to our, our new audience. We've got international folks now, too. Marco in the Netherlands uh, is on live chat. So we've got a lot of European folks listening in.
3: So this is good.
5: Oh, well, that's really great. Well, uh, Greg, it's great to be back on your radio show. I'm proud of you, man. You've always been very busy at uh, helping people understand their rights, how to preserve their rights and their freedoms, and uh, how to write their own bills. And I think you've done a great job uh, relentlessly educating all of us on how to do that effectively. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, so I'm glad uh glad it was on my calendar to, see, to talk to you and be on your show today. Christina, my producer, uh, texted me last night and said you're on. Great, hang the show tomorrow morning. I was like, okay, great. So uh, that's why I'm calling. It. But, uh, well, I I talked to, Christine.
1: Christine, I know Christina. So, so somehow, either I'm, and it's very possible that I missed the message because you know, I'm producing, directing, doing all this stuff myself here. So my apologies um, for that. But she's great. Uh, she's been really helpful. Oh, so uh, I'm, I'm looking over my text now. I don't. Well, we'll, we'll have some fun with her after the show. <laughs> yeah,
5: yeah, That'll be fun. No worries. Yeah. Yeah. Go. Yeah. But, uh, yes, it's just it's been a very busy time. Thank goodness since mm-hmm. we talked last uh, there's been the the national emergency for covid was dropped obviously so that was good. Yep. And uh three hour three years too late but at least it's dropped now thank god. But uh you would think that that calmed everything down but my busiest month ever of traveling speaking i think I was in 12 different cities and 10 different states and in three different territories of Canada uh in May. It was a very busy time traveling around, making sure everyone's educated up to speed and trying to warn them as much as possible about the fraud and lies and deceit that were COVID, obviously. I am a retired chiropractor, acupuncturist, and nutritionist. Uh, my name is Dr. Brian Artis. I uh, was called With the remdesivir guy for like the first two years after <clears throat> the y. I was called <laughs> the remdesivir guy for helping to blow the whistle on uh, the truth behind right. the published. Toxic deadly effects of remdesivir before Anthony Fauci declared it safe and effective for COVID and Ebola when it was in fact found to be deadly. And 30% of all people you gave it to for COVID and then it killed 53% of all the Ebola patients that received it. So we made sure the whole world knew this is a setup. Don't end up going into a hospital with COVID. If you can avoid it at all costs, stay home, Helped medical doctors around the country with their telemedicine groups. Uh, that they were establishing to try to keep people safe. We were a big part of that. I created advocacy teams that worked directly with us to keep people out of hospitals or protect them once they were uh, and make sure that they had representatives there to help navigate the medical tyranny found in hospitals during the pandemic. So that was a busy time, testifying the State Capitol building the whole time. I think now I'm most well-known as the snake venom guy in relationship to COVID. That's a great story. yeah,
1: yeah, that's and fascinating. Then, uh, well, because I yeah, used to so, call it snake oil. Yeah, <laughs> I can't tell yeah, you. That's right. uh, like back in 2020, I'm saying that uh, the, the the vaccines aren't vaccines. They're messenger RNA, and I, I was learning all about that. I said, this stuff is snake oil. And the funny thing is that it actually is. <laughs> that that was wild. <laughs> the
5: truth was, Greg, you were very right. It was, yep. And uh, so, so the relationship to the snake venom aspect of COVID is what I was uh, known for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and have continued to educate audiences on. I had no idea how big this uh, industry was in producing pharmaceutical products from synthetically manufactured venoms of creatures all over the world. Why would that's they do that? no different for sure. but, uh Yeah, I'll so where, tell you why.
1: Where does so. that come from? What was what was the logic? What were, they, were they, are they just trying to kill people with it? Or, or is it, you know, because we, we they use snake venom to make anti-venom, so there is actually a use for snake venom. But that's not what they're doing in this okay. case. So what, why are they doing definitely it? what they're doing. Yeah. So
5: why why are they doing it? So uh, one of the things I had to learn was I don't know if you're aware of this, uh, Greg. Have you ever heard that the uh, medical complex or the pharmaceutical complex or the medical pharmaceutical complexes have you ever learned that they actually were publishing lies about a topic in health? Have you ever heard <laughs> that before? They have uh, ever lied to people ever? Uh, like constantly. That's all they do, isn't it? Yeah, so for example, uh, we have been told my whole adult life, which I'm only 46 years old, feels like uh-huh. I've lived eight lifetimes, but this, uh, there's been a narrative that's been taught to me my whole life that I've seen read, printed, on radio, articulated, that is that salt is bad for you, salt increases your risk of high blood pressure, strokes, and heart attacks, and the pharmaceutical industry has been pumping that narrative and educating medical professionals on that mm-hmm. nonstop stop decades and that's a flat-out lie so they are good at lying they're also good at lying to you that cholesterol is bad for you and causes heart attacks and disease no it doesn't they also have lied to us for years uh, about a lot of things one of the things oh uh, low fat diets good for you no it isn't your body needs fat your brain needs fat to even make cholesterol which has been required to make hormones you mm-hmm. can't even make hormones in your body without cholesterol present for the backbone structure for all hormones So when you reduce your fat intake or get on a cholesterol-lowering drug, guess what? You lower your ability to make cholesterol, which in direct correlation reduces your hormone levels in your body, meaning you now can't make testosterone for a man, which drives Mm -hmm. sex drive, motivation, and goal setting. So now they can sell you after they put you on a cholesterol-lowering drug or on a uh, low-fat diet. That's going to lead to lower cholesterol. They then can sell you Viagra to make something work because you no longer can make testosterone. They also then, if they convince you of either one of those two fraud, they're fraudulent lies that fat's bad for you or you need to lower your cholesterol with a drug, they then will be able to sell you antidepressants because you can't make serotonin, which is your feel-good, happy hormone, without cholesterol. So this is just a great setup of how they do this. So in that respect that they have lied to us over and over and over on various topics so that they can sell us their cocktails in the future, which we Mm -hmm. call drugs and vaccines, the pharmaceutical industry has also used a language that the rest of us don't use. And that is Latin. And they use terms in Latin to keep you thinking they're smarter than you. So every diagnosis they give you is in Latin. Every term for every organ and disease and germ are all done in Latin. Every animal species, they have Latin names. And they do this in order to make themselves scientifically sound much smarter, more brilliant than you are. You just Hmm. don't know that's what they're doing. So... They do this to you. But did you know, Greg, I didn't know this until a year and a half, actually two years ago now, I didn't know this until I got into the discovery that the origins of COVID since January of 2020 were identified to be two snakes, venoms, was the origin of COVID since China in January of 2020. I didn't know this. I didn't know that the word virus that all of us are so familiar with, flu virus, swine, flu virus, uh, you name it, polio Mm -hmm. virus, every virus word did you know the latin historical definition for the word virus is venom i didn't know that but it means venomous poisonous secretion so venom is the word for virus so now every time i hear the word virus i think oh my god they're using a venom derivative that is what the word virus means but uh so that could be one great lie but why do they use venoms? is what i'm about to teach you about so they tell you that there are viruses Mm-hmm. Whether they are or not is not the point here for this show. The word virus means venom. So why would they use venom in any relationship to drugs or uh, vaccines? Well, I didn't know this. Did you know that they published that every venom, when you inject it into a human, did you know that they actually publish all venom binds to the same receptors on your cells that every virus binds to?
1: So Ooh, that's interesting.
5: That So they published that venoms compete for the same binding sites as all viruses, including the flu virus, measles virus, herpes viruses, SARS-CoV-1 virus, SARS-CoV-2 virus, every single virus, including coronaviruses, they publish are inhibited in their ability to bind to cells to make an individual sick because if we can put venom in the human body to bind to the outside of your cells, Mm -hmm. the virus can't get in. So they actually published – there are multiple patents all over the world that many men and women actually own, which is published patents for even things like King Cobra Venom, which Paul F. Reed is a guy who owns this patent. Paul F. Reed owns a patent since 2010. They take King Cobra Venom, and it is now patented by the United States government as a antiviral vaccine for the common cold and flu. And uh, throughout the entire patents, when you read this, in my opinion, mad science, Uh, the disclaimer that all venoms they state are toxic and deadly in the patents to humans. Uh They disclose in those patents how it is they detoxify the venom slightly to not kill you outright. So the venom will have its therapeutic benefit to block the cell entry of the common cold virus or the flu virus. So that's why they use venoms. They use venoms because they target one receptor on your cells, and they're called alpha seven nicotinic acetylcholine receptors, or as I call them, alpha seven nicotine receptors, for short. For short. So they say venoms bind to nicotine receptors, the same receptors that viruses bind to. And do you know what else binds to those receptors? That nicotine. Protects everybody from viruses. Nicotine does. In fact, nicotine has a. 30 times higher binding affinity to those nicotine receptors than all venoms and viruses, including the flu, including the common cold viruses. Uh, And Greg, over the last six months, I didn't even know that they knew that every virus on the planet binds to nicotine receptors. And these nicotine receptors, for those who aren't being blown away by too many fancy words right now that are found in science and they're all (laughs) latin based because I'm reading them now out of research papers, don't freak out. Uh, There's a substance called acetylcholine that transfers from one cell to another to communicate with each other. And that's what all venoms block. So the venoms bind to these nicotine receptors. Acetylcholine cannot transfer between, like, even your nerve and and the nerves in your brain. You can't Mm -hmm. get thought, recall, memory, personality to exhibit itself or emotions if you block those acetylcholine synapses, those two connections where acetylcholine moves between them to actually coordinate the body's control, remember things, and do recall to be able to Mm -hmm. focus. All of that is hindered and blocked uh, when you actually bind a venom or a virus to those nicotine receptors. And the greatest published antidote to all venoms and viruses is nicotine. And this is how they explain it in all their research papers of how nicotine works. It is called an agonist. It turns on those receptors that venoms and viruses turn off. And So uh, every cell in your body has nicotine receptors, these alpha-7 nicotine receptors, including T cells and all your immune cells. And, Greg, we've heard for, man, two years now how many people after getting the COVID-19 vaccines now have Mm -hmm. blood work that mimics HIV patients with AIDS. So you see this AIDS-reflective-looking blood work in patients who actually don't have HIV. And the great Dr. Zev
1: Zelenko, who was a dear friend and colleague. Uh, oh, yeah, he, he been on AIDS, the show. Uh, we wrote a bill yeah, together, reforming the FDA. I, I know, I know uh, Zelenko very well.
5: Yeah. And Dr. Zelenko said, uh, "We you, there's a condition and an outcome of these shots. You can call VAIDS vaccine-induced AIDS." And uh, he brought that to the forefront, and he was very true. It was very true, and the way in which the shots are doing it, there are two snake venom components they use in the mRNA COVID-19 shots. And Mm -hmm. these snake venom components are homologous, meaning they have the same evolutionary origin. Isn't this weird? HIV-1's spike protein for everyone who has HIV, the spike protein on HIV that leads to AIDS scenarios. They publish in snake venom research that the snake venom components are homologous to HIV-1's spike protein. And that's incredible because I did not know that, nor did any other medical doctor know that outside of researchers for HIV, that HIV well, said that. also, like SARS-CoV-2, is identical to snake venom components. So this explains how people being exposed to COVID-19 shots, which mm-hmm. have two snake venom components in them, snake venom phosphodiesterase and RNases, when those get injected into the human body to do their mRNA gene therapy bidding, that's what they're mm-hmm. supposed to be doing, those two venoms also bind to every nicotine receptor on the outside of every immune cell in your body, white blood cells, T cells, macrophages, you name it, and it shuts their function off. This is how it, why it looks like an AIDS patient in so many people, hundreds of thousands if not millions of people right now are having immune deficiency reactions after the shots perfectly explained, perfectly published by these two components of venoms, all geneticists use to do gene therapy injections all of them Yeah, that's what i've been doing is educating audiences on how to actually reverse all that
1: i love it uh we're going to talk about how to reverse it uh, but but if i can sort of sum up this theory the way that what they're doing is they're generating future business by causing a disease under the guise of of preventing other diseases so they ruin your immune system, so you have to get other things. Like you mentioned before, you were talking about uh, uh, cholesterol. And if you don't have cholesterol, you can't make hormones, so you can't make testosterone. So you have uh, Viagra, and you can't make serotonin, so you get, uh, you get depressed. So it's perpetuating market. Okay. This is why the flu shot, the more flu shots you get, the more likely you are to get flu, because the flu shot sy- systematically lowers your immunity to flu. So it is the exact That's opposite of right. what they're saying. So, so in the same way, the COVID shot, the reason that, who gets COVID? People have had COVID shots. I had COVID when I went through Florida uh, early January of 2020. I've got the radio shows to prove it. I sound terrible for about two weeks. I just really back off. But then it was gone. And I was immune ever since. Never had a COVID shot, never wore a mask, never did any of that stupid okay. nonsense, never restricted my public access, never stayed home, never did any of that stuff. And I was fine from then on because once I had it, I knew I was immune. So yeah, knowing awesome. that, you know, changed everything. But uh, everybody's like, oh, they're all panicking. They're all misinformation. I said, look, this isn't any different than any other flu bug. In fact, I have a bill that I wrote February 25th, you know, calling it a bio-op. It's for, uh, 2020 we're talking about. Uh, no, 27. Yeah. We had Bill Gertz on the 25th talking about Wuhan lab. The 27th, they wrote a bill saying that Congress can only spend half their money on vaccines. The other half has to be spent on early treatments because I already knew about them. And I knew they worked. You know, yeah, this is February. Awesome. So we already had it. So I figured COVID out in about two weeks. And we already had the solutions. What was going on, and all this stuff. But what I didn't know, and this is why it's so fascinating talking to you, is that these people. Here's how bad they are. What we really need to do is is like a big pharma audit, and we need to go into all their secret documents. They need to before Congress. And what I would like to know is, and have you traced this? I'm just putting big pharma audit in big letters here, because somehow it's like when we trace the. Remember the Ford Pinto, the exploding gas tanks. Yeah. Oh yeah. They, they found out they were exploding and they found out that the bean counters uh, could have saved, uh, if they just spent $9 per car, they could have saved several thousand lives of people that died in exploding Pintos. But they didn't because they made more money not moving the gas tank. It was more, it was, it was more, the, the lawsuits were less expensive than the $9 would have cost per car to move the gas tank. Well, same thing here. You need an audit these people because there are bean counters that know that they're calculating that they can yeah. increase their business by so much by taking away people's immune systems with another product so oh, somehow absolutely. they're getting so so now here's the question though: somehow they're getting money to research the reduction of the immune system Now they can't put that in the grant application or maybe they can that's we need dr. fascist to find out what's going on with him mm-hmm. as it comes dr. fascist and the health Nazis so how have you been able to trace what these things are really doing so in other words you're on the right track it's, it's like you're like Colombo you're almost there yeah, i got one more question for you. You know, you know it's one more thing. And you know, this bothers me, you know. So let's, let's get the bothersome thing. Why are they doing this? I always love motivations for people. I think they know yeah. that they're creating products designed to create more products. The Viagra, oh, the antidepressants. Okay, so how does so how does the snake venom fit into this? And, and it, are the vaccines designed to, to get rid of your immune system rather than help it? Because that's what it looks like.
5: Yeah, so... Great, great point. So they are using technology. They're using, Mm -hmm. uh, man, venoms, poisons, toxins in the way of drugs, vaccines, fertilizers, Mm -hmm. herbicides, glyphosate, you name it. Mm Anyway, they can poison us to create symptoms of disease. They will Mm -hmm. sell drugs to you for and prescribe to you for life to help manage those symptoms they've created. This Mm -hmm. is the entire pharmaceutical agenda. So this is what they do. They create disease, symptoms, symptoms. By actually limiting how much access medical professionals have to studies on nutrition, health, and Mm -hmm. food, they don't get that education in school. So as long as they can limit that and actually keep that from them and keep medical professionals ignorant, all they do is Mm -hmm. tell them in med school for four to eight years, all they do is tell them uh, supplements are dangerous and have side effects. You cannot trust them. They don't have research studies to back them. And Mm -hmm. you don't have to talk about diet. Just trust the drugs. Trust our science trust our, fam- our vaccines we've manufactured. Uh, and so mm-hmm. the medical doctors come out and just start prescribing drugs, giving vaccines to them, these patients. All of them continue to get sick and have to have new drugs introduced to them and prescribed to manage mm-hmm. their new symptoms. This is the racket of the pharmaceutical industry. When it comes to COVID-19, why would you mandate lockdowns, shut down the entire economy of the world globally, and then lie to them that there's a virus you're all breathing in? That's never been spread on this earth before. It has animal vectors we've never seen before. We've never Mm -hmm. seen these attachments to this virus that were actually two venoms from two snakes, the king cobra and crate snake. We've never seen this before. And then people would go like this, well, we've definitely never seen it before in the the computer model of this genetic makeup of this virus. We've Mm -hmm. never seen this before. This must be gain-of-function testing. All right, well, even if that's true, if it is gain-of-function testing, that means somebody in labs were making a more infectious, more deadly virus and then released it, or somehow mm-hmm. it got out. The next question is, is, why would they be working and investing money to create that anyway? Why mm-hmm. would you be creating superbugs? Why would you do that?
2: And well, at the same BS-
5: time, the only reason why we're yeah. investigate superbugs is they uh-huh. want to produce vaccines for them. Yep. Sorry, I've got landscapers right outside my door. Anyway, they're creating vaccines the whole time and studying the vaccines in animal models before they introduce them and release their pathogens on the public, the unperceiving public, and then have vaccines already ready. They've already explored in other mammals, being animals in labs. So that's one thing they're doing. When you're going to use venoms, and they are using venom worldwide as the spike proteins of COVID, supposedly, which is what they are. When I say supposedly, I mean... The spike protein of COVID. Spike protein is nothing more than a pharmaceutical play on the words of snake proteins. That's really all they're using is venom. So they're making people sick, causing respiratory failure and disease. Those with other diseases like heart disease and diabetes always had worse outcomes when they either inhaled or swallowed the venom into their body to give them COVID symptoms, which is absolutely what's happening. And so that's what they did. They created a whole bunch of sick people, then restricted people with comorbidities or diseases. From having access to hospitals and they told the medical doctors just turn them away until they get really sick (laughs) then let them come back and then once they came back what was the actual agenda put them on severe, which kills 53% of all people so I'll tell you Greg when you ask me what's the purpose twofold to create diseases and symptoms they can sell you drugs and vaccines for in the future and then number two kill a whole bunch of you because there's too many of you so they're using venoms worldwide and they're using them as biological weapons like you mentioned earlier uh, and they're trying to wipe out a whole lot of people, in my opinion, there is a depopulation agenda in place, no matter how conspiratorial people like to think that is there, everything they've done in the last three and a half years, most of the things they've done over the last 40 years, I'm aware of pharmaceutical wise has led to a point where they are, and I think it becomes very clear, they are trying to create infertility in young couples and individuals. You're creating miscarriages with these shots to keep babies from being born on this earth, tens of thousands, if not millions of them during the pandemic. And then you've actually killed a whole bunch of retirees with hospital protocols or elderlies, older than 60, and uh, created a ton of people who have passed away as a result of the COVID-19 vaccine agenda. And I think they had to, unfortunately, cull some of the herd in multiple industrialized nations, including America, to get them off of the Social Security gravy train and the Medicare, Medicaid, gravy train. And for them, it was too expensive. We've heard about these complaints my whole adult life. That mm-hmm. uh, by the time the baby boomers all saturate the age of senior citizenship, it's going to overwhelm the Social Security platforms monetarily. It's going to overwhelm Medicare. They will go bankrupt. And, man, what's the best way to not have to pay out those uh, benefits to those individuals that have paid into a system their entire working life? Uh, you, you help kill end their life early, so you don't have to pay them yeah. out.
1: So uh, this is well, exactly that's what, what the illegals this, are uh, for. Yeah, that's what the illegals are oh, for. Right. 50 million illegals are there to sort of prop up Social Security. But here's what, here's the problem. These people, they they, they find one solution, you know, and, and a horrible solution at that, and yet there's so many other things that we could do that they don't even think of. You know, it's um, – well, I got a question for you. The, the the term COVID, does the V stand for Venom? I mean, has anybody analyzed what each of those letters means? What yeah, COVID there's mean? lots of people
5: that throw out ideas like that, but uh, COVID for me actually means cobra venom infectious disease. <laughs> That's what well, I that started calling. Sense. I was like, "Oh my God, they okay. they used venom to actually do yeah. this." So I've, I've heard a lot of uh,
1: a lot of people give me explanations of what they believe it stands for and why they came up curious. with that term. Yeah, but uh, well, uh, yeah. Here's what's interesting though: they're so diabolical, but they're in many ways they're stupid um, because the people that they're killing off. Are the, the liberals, the leftists, the compliant ones, us rebels, we're doing fine. You look at the conservatives, the patriots, the, uh, uh, and everything from the Jehovah's Witnesses, the don't take medicine, the Christian scientists, there's all kinds of folks there that I just didn't buy this from, from the start. I never did, and I'm not a doctor. You know, I got no medical training yeah. at all. And yet I knew instinctively that it takes, why would you want to, uh, to push a vaccine that takes 15 years to create and probably won't be that effective anyway on a virus that's already here. It's already too late. Why would you do that? Yeah. That makes no sense. Very true. You know? And so that's the yeah, first yeah. problem. We got uh microtypes types in Corona V1 for virus D for disease and 19 for the year 2019. Yeah, that's true. I mean, there, there are acronyms for it, but, uh, but here's what they're missing. Okay. So I just, this is, kind of sideline stuff, but I just met with uh, my Congressman Matt Gates. He had a rally on Friday um, and I presented a bill in front of everybody and made a little bit of fun of me, but I explained to him later how it works. Uh, we have a constitutional amendment to take away the power of Congress to borrow money. And so when they say, um, how are we going to pay for all these seniors? You know, they, they never think that just keeping folks alive and changing the system might be a good thing. They think, well, if we kill them off, we don't have to pay for them. It's like if we raise taxes, we'll get more money, even though raising taxes actually lowers the amount of money that the government gets because it ruins economic activity. So in the same way, I said, well, here's what happens. I, well, I'll explain this to Morty, Matt Gaetz, and everybody else um, One more chance. But if you cut off the money to Congress, if you make a constitutional amendment, they can't, you know, they can't borrow any more money. That ends inflation. That causes deflation. That means that the money you have gradually increases in value. So you don't have to kill people off to have people afford things because you're actually making the value of, of, uh, of our savings worth more. So if that $1,500 check that people get every month for Social Security suddenly buys uh, what used to buy $3,000 worth of stuff because we've had 50% deflation over 10 years, you know, 10% a year. Over, or, or 5% a year over 10 years, you know th- that solves the problem. But they don't think like that. Okay, see, I do. And this is the difference. So that where there are ways around this, you get rid of the Fed, you stop Congress borrowing, money transfers from the Fed and the banks back to the people, prices drop, our savings increase, the economy becomes unbelievably prosperous, and you don't have to worry about it. And then you can set up, people can set up their own private accounts because the money keeps increasing in value. And you don't have to, you don't have to kill off a single person. So there's a completely viable solution based on stopping Congress from borrowing money, which they can't seem to be responsible for anyway, that doesn't require any culling of the population. And yet they don't even think about that, but there's a solution for you. What do you think?
5: uh, I think that's an incredible solution and it sounds very logical. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. these people don't appear to be logical. They appear to be making decisions that are illogical and not Mm -hmm. supported by history. For example, Let's create a vaccine in nine months and have multiple pharmaceutical companies all come up with the same approved product in seven to ten months that has never mm-hmm. been done before and allowed mm-hmm. to be done before, never mm-hmm. received an FDA approval for a vaccine for something we've never seen before. Uh, mm-hmm. This is totally illogical. And then let's invest billions of dollars putting up 5G towers while we're trying to lock down the entire country.
1: <laughs> what's the point of that? Yeah. Like, What's yeah. the point well, of you should, doing that? Uh, you should look at our Australian Bill of Rights. We actually wrote this with Jen Clark in Australia, one of the freedom uh, fighters down there and the freedom truckers. And we came up with things that would take a lot of this stuff away. I don't to go over it now. I'll send it to you. Um, but you'll, But it, it's like free from, you know, you have total mind-body autonomy, uh, freedom from 5G and technologies you don't want, freedom to select your own energy and, and, and place to live, uh, freedom to use your own transportation. You know, I mean, we just the things that they're all trying to take away. We've sort of come up with a brand-new um, individual rights declaration. This not the human rights declaration where everybody gets your stuff. That's what the UN does. But uh, it, it, there's a, there's a lot of creative thought going on here about peripheral issues, but they all seem to be connected. It's all connected to freedom. So if they control your health, they control your there's no freedom. If you have no immune system, if they've destroyed, if the vaccines are actually not pr- you know promoting your immune system but destroying it, then you have to go back to Big Pharma just to stay alive. Yeah, and I've heard this before, correct. so you've probably got. Some thoughts on that, right? That's that's really the ultimate goal.
5: Oh yeah, for sure.
1: And uh, okay. one of
5: my thoughts too, just listening to you talk, is a, a reminder of a phone call we all had on your radio show. Mm-hmm. Me, Brandon House, Judy Mikevitz, and others were all on the same phone call at the same time, and Brandon House was talking about a, a book in the '60s. I don't remember the name of the guy that wrote it, but he was talking about a book he had read in the '60s, where it explained how it is that uh, globalists manipulate politicians even in the United States, and it was when a male figure or a female gets into political office, the mm-hmm. spouse will be offered board member seats for big banks and for big businesses, even pharmaceutical mm-hmm. giants, industries. And this is how they, they, they control the politicians, bills, legislative things he votes on, what it is that he's taking a stand on while he's mm-hmm. in office they manipulate the spouse through financial backing. So the family gets benefits of money from boards of banks, business opportunities sitting on boards of different big, giant companies. And this spoke very loudly, and I don't know if you remember on that radio call, when I'm talking here with you, you're mentioning things that we would suspect that uh, there are simple ways to protect and raise the value of the dollar, keep everybody around. Why are they doing this other stuff? doesn't even make any sense. It doesn't appear. And it really doesn't. Until you recognize, when these, why aren't these people doing it? Well, mm-hmm. for example, people ask me nonstop, how come Rand Paul, from the, the senator from Kentucky... <laughs> I know where you're going with saying, this. Why does, does he keep you're challenging doctor, yep. Dr. Anthony Fauci over his emails? When's he going to yeah. call him out, Dr. Artis, on his lies, Fauci's lies? When is Rand Paul going to call out publicly Anthony Fauci's fraudulent lies about mm-hmm. remdesivir's safety and effectiveness as a COVID-19 hospitalized protocol. When's Anthony going to do that? Why does he keep challenging him for the emails? <laughs> and I, I immediately told all of them, he's not going to yeah. do that. His so, wife was given insider trader information on February of 2020, and they invested a million dollars into Gilead, the mm-hmm. manufacturer of remdesivir, three months before Anthony Fauci actually declared the one and only contract to a company who had never had a drug on the market ever
1: before. They awarded Gilead, who's never had a drug before. What they used Gilead, to make. Never know, they to make. Yeah. they, they never make? made a drug. What did they do? What were they in?
5: Yeah, so they were money laundering, is what Dr. David Mun- David Martin taught me they'd done for 30 <laughs> years. They used Gilead to do money laundering, and it's headed by a guy named and- and Andre Hoff, uh-huh. who is actually the vice president of Holliday Roche. And that he
1: does all the money laundering through Gilead Sciences. sounds <laughs> like, holy, oh. oh, really? okay. Well, so did Roche make the uh, make remdesivir? What is remdesivir anyway? What's it, where does it come from? What's it derived from? What was it uh, intended to do? No, it was actually, really do?
5: remdesivir is actually, I had it tested two weeks ago, Greg, in a clinic in Ohio. Oh. It actually has in it 11 different snake venom components, scorpion venom <laughs> components, and spider venom components inside remdesivir. Remember, remdesivir supposedly was going to actually beat the virus called SARS-CoV-2. Remember I told you they believe all venoms bind to and compete for the same receptor sites on your cells as viruses do? I knew remdesivir had to have venom in it. Uh, many people published its molecular mo- makeup about a year and a half ago.
2: When the uh-huh. chemists
5: were breaking it down, it contained two things, multiple venom components in the molecule and cyanide molecules. And cyanide would get released from the molecule after it's digested in your body and in your blood and your body will break it down into these components. Cyanide is a deadly gas that gets released from the actual molecule. And venoms are actually shutting down the kidneys, shutting down your lungs, your heart function, liver function, causing multiple organ failure and death. That's what run death is. That's why I called it two three years ago. Run call it run death is near because that drug is super toxic and super deadly, but uh, that's exactly what it is
1: and how it causes death.
0: Yeah, that and makes sense. I mean, I,
1: I've called it the Remdesivir ventilator death march uh, for two and a half years now, you know, and because uh, that's what it is. You know, if you get a Remdesivir, and I've had friends that actually had it, I said, well, "Don't take that. It's got nothing to do with COVID." You know, COVID's a viral infection, and this stuff is—I don't know what it is—but I knew it had nothing to do. All it does is shut down kidneys. Now, here's something interesting: I had open heart surgery uh, six, six years ago now, six and a half years ago. And I had a heart valve that wasn't working properly. So it needed a little trim, long way to get to it. Um, but the, but the, what happened was that, um, afterwards they gave me blood thinners and the blood thinners, well, I'll never take them again. This, and I found out that they said, well, that's in case, you know, you're inactive and you get a stroke. And like so I was the most active heart patient they ever had. I was actually walking around the day I had heart surgery. Uh, so they fixed the valve. They, everything was great. You know, that was fine. But three weeks later, my, my whole chest fills up with fluid, and I almost died. I almost suffocated from something totally peripheral. I believe it's a blood centers. Anyway, what they did then was they drained the fluid. That made sense. You got fluid in your lungs? Take the fluid out. So they took the fluid okay. out. Uh, I had four and a half liters of fluid taken out of my lungs, and uh, then they had oh. to reinflate. That's an excruciatingly painful experience. Uh, so the only oh. time I ever took a whole hydrocodone. Uh, but the point was that rather than they could have put the, like if I'd had this post COVID, they could have put me on a ventilator to try and blow the fluid out of my lungs, um, and I would have died. I wouldn't be here right now. There'd be no action radio. So the question yeah. is why was it before COVID they see fluid in my lungs, they took the fluid out, but after COVID they see fluid in the lungs from Randesivir and they put you on a ventilator to try and blow it out rather than drain how can they never drain the fluid out like they did with me? <laughs>
5: I think you answered your own question, Greg. Uh, We've mentioned remdesivir protocols in the hospital were being incentivized by our federal government, Medicare and Medicaid agencies. They were bribing hospitals to follow this protocol that includes remdesivir and venting, Mm -hmm. blowing out fluid into your lungs. Look, you already got pressure in your lungs. What's it going to be like to add more pressure with a ventilator? Yeah, it's
1: like a balloon. You're going to blow out. You only get so much. Right.
5: you're You're going to kill these people. So this protocol was incentivized to all hospitals, if you will use remdesivir and vent the patients, all of them, mm-hmm. right. we will give you 20% add-on bonus to the entire hospital bill, no matter how long they're there. So this was a bribe in all these hospitals and the administrators, which I have learned in the last couple of years. I did not know this. You know, most boards and uh, administrators of hospitals on those boards, you know, that the board members are mostly bankers. I didn't know this. <laughs> until I went I to the Sarasota Memorial Hospital and went to their board meeting about two months ago, and the uh-huh. entire board, every single person there making decisions on the budget for the Sarasota Memorial Hospital in Florida,
1: all of them introduced themselves as bankers. All of them.
5: And I was like, so what's the oh connection? my God, y'all uh, are
1: they connected to the so, Fed at all? Or or what kind of banks are we talking about here? The big banks? The yeah, so ones too big to no, fail?
5: Are, oh no, they're all big banks. The, the key is here, these are board members overseeing the decisions of health care decisions for people coming to the hospital. Bankers being are what? They're being counted. They're counters. being counted. Yeah. All okay. they care about is dollars yeah. and cents. They are yeah. not. Yeah. Clinicians, yeah. so when all the board members receive these notices that the government's going to pay our hospital, 20% add-on bonus for the entire stay and everything mm-hmm. we do to a COVID patient for 10 days, Uh, yeah, we're doing this and everybody that works for us at the hospital, doctors who are employees, nurses who are employees, every single one of them, respiratory therapists that are employees, all of them are going to follow this protocol. Why? We're bean counters. All we do is see, where do we get the most beans? Oh, the government's willing to give us free beans if we just follow the protocol they already told us to do anyway. So everybody's going to do this or you're going to get fired. Super easy. Bankers are not doctors. Bankers are not healers. Bankers don't know anything about the human body. Bankers know money. So when they see dollar signs, they just tell everybody below them, this is what you're going to do. And, yes, you will see there's been an infiltration, obviously, of bankers into hospital systems intentionally to to actually control this narrative like they did and control so many
1: people that work for them. That's fascinating. I had no idea. I knew that the Center for uh, Medicare services and Medicaid was giving out $130,000 per COVID death from PCR tests through the coroner that, that we had charted. Um, so that, that makes perfect sense. Um, Oh,
5: Oh, and it was even worse. Did you, did you hear about coroners being paid up to $19,000 extra for every COVID-19 designated death, no matter if it was a traffic accident or some other reason why the person died, like a bullet, seriously, somebody got shot. And one of the northwestern states died, got a head wound from a right. bullet, from a gun, and the coroner wrote down primary cause of death, COVID-19. Oh, PCR yeah, we had the same thing the, guy guy the, the
1: motorcycle. Yeah, I remember the motorcycle incident? A yeah. guy got dies in a motorcycle accident, COVID death. A yeah. um, yeah, guy got uh, over a bus in Oregon? Yep.
5: Still, yeah. COVID-19 death. <laughs> this is how <laughs> they did it. They bribed them all to do it. Money was powerful motivation. You can
1: only bribe people if they want to go along with it. So there were except for like you and, and some of the other the, the hero doctors out there. Um, but they, they, it's, it's amazing how many went along. Are these all the younger doctors, products of medical school that just, you know, learn how to follow orders like good Nazis, you know, that they were trained to be, they follow the protocol? I mean, where are the doctors to say, wait a minute. I mean, I mean, the doctors of the the, the the folks that are in the uh, Senator Ron Johnson's panel. Uh, by the Amen. way, Senator Ron Johnson uh, has seen our vaccine product liability bill. I can I'm reveal talking. that now. He knows about it, but in the, I won't say how. Um, I'll keep that confidential, but he does know about it, and he has never That's brought true. it forward. How about that? So yeah, he, I love so, that. Yeah. You know who else knows about it? My congressman, Matt Gates, knows about it. He knows about that and the cure for big tech censorship. He's, got those, he's had those bills since I wrote them. Uh, we wrote our vaccine product liability bill before any mandates were issued. Had that gone viral, we might have stopped the mandates. You know, we're coming up on the, the, the two-year anniversary of our uh, big tech bill. And I wrote a, you might want to get this one. The, I wrote an article uh, for, on my Substack, gregpengless.substack.com, that said the cure for COVID was freedom. In other words, if we had the First Amendment, we were able to get the information out there. If doctors were, like you were able to, to publish and say, hey, this, this uh, remdesivir stuff, it's going to kill you. What you really need is ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, vitamin D3, vitamin C, zinc, and uh, zithromycin for pneumonia. The Zelenko Protocol. We could, have, we could have saved, you know, a million people. So freedom Absolutely. cures people. And people say, well, you know, we, we borrowed $7 trillion to cure COVID. No, he didn't. He borrowed $7 trillion to kill a million people. We could have saved him for nothing or next to nothing. So freedom yeah. works. So this let me ask you a question that I've been puzzling. I actually did three shows on it, uh, that the vaccine was actually developed for the virus. So the gain of function was to actually create a virus that matched their vaccine. Or worked with it have you looked into that at all yeah Uh,
5: no but that's exactly what they do in animal studies for years that's what they do so they've been studying the stuff since 2002 when they decided to experiment with their new gain-of-function SARS-CoV-1 that they called MERS and SARS and then what was the cure for that published in 2005 Greg H-C-Q,
1: hydroxychloroquine. Yeah, hydroxychloroquine. Yeah, I remember that. The, the, the Dr. Fascist just uh, – he, he actually said so. I think I've got the article somewhere. I have a whole file of early COVID articles. So they already knew. So, that, so now how come he wasn't challenged on that by anybody in Congress unless they're all on the take?
5: Yeah, wasn't it amazing that he published and funded this one study to mm-hmm. beat SARS and MERS in 2005? Mm-hmm. 100% all people were cured with hydroxychloroquine. How did he mm-hmm. forget his own study and research? Fifteen well, years later, when SARS-CoV-2 comes out, how did he totally he didn't forget, forget it. that H C Q worked and that we need a new drug called Remdesivir that failed in the Ebola trials and COVID-19 trials? So ridiculous!
1: Well, in fact, you know the answer to this because they couldn't have gotten emergency use authorization for their billion-dollar, multi-billion-dollar profitable, you know, um, COVID jab if hydroxychloroquine was on the market and it was a viable cure, which it was. Yep, absolutely so that, right. So they had to. So they banned the cure so that they could push you know the deadly uh, jab so what's the latest on the jab yes. i mean it's you know so so that to me is medical holocaust they knew what they were doing Amen. they knew they, they knew they were going to kill millions of people worldwide and they purposely banned the cure so that they could push the uh, the poison and make billions of dollars yes. of profit on it and but he, but how did they know they were going to get away with it that took a lot of coordination because there were a whole bunch of folks so every media outlet had to be either paid off by Big Pharma <clears throat> excuse me. I heard Anderson Cooper uh, was getting nine million of his twelve million dollars salary from Pfizer to push lives. Wow. Did you hear that one? Oh that's wow. That just came out no. like a week ago. I yeah. didn't hear so Big Pharma is not only funding the medical schools, they're actually funding the media. Not me. Oh for sure. I can say whatever I damn well please. Um but uh, oh. but that's what they're but they're funding so in other words, so the media shut down you know, the, uh, the, the health Nazis are shutting down. They're just going along to get along because they don't care. They're just there for retirement. Um, mm-hmm. The big pharma is making billions. Fauci's making money off uh, the, the, the licenses, the royalties, the patents, and everything else like that. And the whole, this whole thing is based on death. They make more money killing people than they do saving them because we can save them. Yes, they do. Um, for Peter Navarro, remember 20 cents for hydroxychloroquine? He had like 80 million tablets ready to go. I actually had him on the show yes. last uh, awesome. October. Yeah, it was. Well, I'm going to get him back because uh, you know I want to connect with the Trump campaign and get this stuff out there.
5: So yeah, I got to I got to meet him uh, last month in
1: Miami. Oh, good. So what's cause, so you've had the, the the vaccine product liability bill for months. Has oh. anybody expressed any interest in that that can actually make it happen?
5: Uh, no, and I've met with many attorney generals, many senators, even Bob Hall mm-hmm. here in Texas, Ken Paxton. I've met with many of them,
1: mm-hmm. and
5: we have actually. About two months ago, I was invited with Robert Malone and Richard Fleming to go mm-hmm. to the state capitol building, and actually Texans for Vaccines Choice is the group that hosted this. Oh, yeah, Rebecca
1: Hardy. Yeah, she's been on the show several times. I know Rebecca. She's awesome. We're well, so we'll happy seven family. Bills, <laughs> right.
5: Seven bills that we proposed, and actually uh, I went and testified on behalf of four out of the seven and uh, helped them clear up the nomenclature for some of the bills that had been written up. But uh,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah,
5: so... There have been interest in new laws to protect the vaccine rights and choices of individuals in Texas, but it's the mm-hmm. only one I've seen. I haven't seen the same meeting occur in any other state capitol building. <laughs> I've, I've been in but they, they don't have
1: product liability. In they're not, yep, that's
5: they're not true, putting they not. liability. Yeah, and I have no so, idea why not. I mean, 1986, the act is where yeah. all this crap started that allows all the vaccine and pharmaceutical giants to never be punished for uh-huh. creating a deadly, toxic, injurious vaccine. Or, or product in the form of a vaccine, and uh it is just outright disgusting how they're getting away with a commercial product and getting government backing and mandates to use utilize those unproven safe and effective products, mm-hmm. and then they have they can skirt away any liability or punishment for the injuries incurred by them. Our government has totally uh, assisted them in getting away with murder.
1: Well, there's a medical holocaust industrial complex that's bigger than the uh, military industrial complex. So um, but here's another thing, too. The national trial lawyers, I've contacted them several times. They could get billions of dollars in settlements just like they did from big tobacco. If they simply lobbied this bill, spend a fraction, spend a few million dollars lobbying it, you know, even if they started the state level. Uh, and they'd reap yeah. billions in, in, uh, in settlements and judgments against big pharma. And yet they've never expressed an interest in this. Nor has anybody uh, that I've talked to taken it to them who could. I'll yeah. give you yeah, another example, Steve Kirsch. Yeah, do you remember Steve Kirsch who did the, uh, the Atlanta COVID regulation legal thing a few months ago?
5: I know Steve Kirsch personally, yes.
1: Okay, well Steve Kirsch and I used to text back and forth until he stopped. Because I said, look, here's the cure. Here's the, here's the solution. Here's the bill. And I gave them both bills, you know, both the vaccine product liability and big tech. I didn't get invited to the Atlanta conference, and yet I could have had all those lawyers learn about this. They could have advocated. They could have gone back to the National Trial Lawyers Association. They could have pushed Congress to pass this, at least in the House. And certainly by the time Trump gets back in office, this would already be in the process. It would be in people's minds. This would be the cure for the, the it would make up for what happened in 1986, and yet he wouldn't talk to me, invite me, cover the the bill in, in his multiple articles. What's going on?
5: Yeah, unfortunately, I think there's people in this movement. Maybe Steve Kirsch is one of them. Unfortunately, who's really there just as a distraction and wants celebrityism and wants people to think inside this movement of awakenness, awareness, freedom of speech, un- non-censorship. I really do believe there are people put in their positions, taking an opportunity, but they're not there to actually assist. They're there to just either create boost up their own egos or uh-huh. to make it look like a false flag event where we are actually on your side trying to help you. When, in fact, they have continued to stand in the way of progress over and over and over. But, uh, yeah, anyway, that's my opinion on a whole bunch of people. Unfortunately. No, that makes a lot of sense. But, uh, well,
1: I, I call it raising complaining to an art form. In other words, they don't want a solution. It's almost like police that don't want people to own guns because crime will go down. They think they'll be out of a job. Is there okay. a certain percentage of people that are out there that are not solving this because they think their columns won't sell, their newspapers and magazines and their Internet sites won't sell, that there's, there's more business in complaining about something? It's like Rush Limbaugh. God love Rush Limbaugh, but he never solved anything. He never offered That's a solution. He analyzed the problems and he was, you know, world famous and made, you know, multiple billion dollars doing what he did, but he never changed anything. So he was safe. So they didn't mind him saying all things he said because he never changed anything. Now, we come along here at Action Radio and we've got solutions for everything. You know, a constitutional amendment to uh, uh, ban Congress borrowing money. I've got another bill that you're going to love. Disarms all federal agencies, all 287,000, you know, I call them the bureaucrat infantry. And gives them. And gives all the guns back to the people through the civilian marksmanship program, which checks for citizenship, uh-huh. by the way. We, we have so many ideas here. We're like this, this uh, amazing, you know, fountain of ideas. And yet there's a – I can't get beyond – um, the people either they I don't know what it is they either don't think it's possible, don't consider it because we haven't got a ton of bills passed yet. But there's a block somewhere along the way. You put it's like you know the, the old saying: you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. We've 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 got the water. We we got the freaking ocean of ideas that can fix all of these problems, and yet we can't get anybody who can do something about it to do something about it.
5: Yeah. So what you need is you need like your own Rebecca Hardy. It looks like you've got, you're the visionary. You mm-hmm. in action news radio are the uh-huh. visionary. Yeah. You have all these answers to what can be done. What you need mm-hmm. is an integrator, someone who can take your vision, your yeah. articles, and then integrate and know the steps to get this inside of, and there's a couple of people I can think of. Sheila Hemphill here in Texas is a human
1: being. Little, mm-hmm. little I've had who her on the show. And, yeah, that I, uh,
5: that is a bulldog who will integrate your ideas and take them physically into every office of the Texas State Capitol building every day. She will do it relentlessly. Everybody knows who she is. She shows up every yeah. day and every moment, that, bringing bills, bringing awareness, education materials. She's everywhere. I see her with every politician in Texas. If there's an event or a rally, she's there, mm-hmm. and everybody knows who she is. Everybody talks to her, greets her out of respect all the uh, politicians and elected officials and state reps, uh, huh. you with your vision, if you think about an organizational board or organizational chart, you're the visionary. Right. Create all the bills, all the solutions. You need an integrator like Sheila Hemphill, like Rebecca Hardy, who are doing the legwork to make sure those ideas are getting into the hands of the people and then holding them accountable. That's what you need. And you don't have the ability to do that in all 50 states, but we're going to need people to do that in order to see this through.
1: Well, I'm looking for lobbying groups. You know, and here's the weird thing too: the the whole thing about Action Radio, uh, our website, WriteYourLaws dot com. Anybody can go on it. Anybody they copy a bill. Anybody can take those bills anywhere they want. There's nothing stopping these people from doing that right now. I don't have to organize yeah. them. I've already done that. The bills are on <laughs> our website. So all you know, th- there's anybody that wants to help Action Radio and help our, our citizen legislation. There's no membership. There's no group. There's no meetings. There's no cost. There's no rallies, there's no protests, there's no signs you have to make. All you do is copy the bills and, and send them to the legislators and media. It's so simple. Yep. Is it too simple? I mean am I missing something?
5: No, I think I think many human beings, including American citizens, too many of them have been conditioned and programmed that they are weak and they cannot make a difference. That's what I mm. think they've been conditioned to believe. Okay. So when you're looking at when you're looking at people in the media arguing in legislative buildings and rooms. Watch C-SPAN, watch whatever you want. When you're watching politicians trying to move the needle in legislative sessions. Mm-hmm. And that's overwhelming for the politician. Guess what the citizen starts to think? What power do I have if they can't even get it done? If if Donald Trump could say HCQ needs to be in all 50 states and should be the drug that could be a savior for all of, of COVID-19 for Americans. Mm-hmm. and then that still doesn't happen how can the president of the united states ask for something it not be done it's overlooked ignored and then we listen to somebody named dr anthony fauci who you would think was in a less powerful position than the president of the united states i think that makes lay people feel like one example after another every day that we watch i think that makes a lot of people think i don't i don't think i would make a difference I couldn't make a difference. What am I gonna do? I can't walk into a state capitol building. Most people in this country probably haven't even walked into a state capitol building. So the idea of walking in there and seeing elected politicians, the size of the buildings, the architecture, they might get overwhelmed and just think, I, I am powerless and unfortunately they want us believing that we are powerless. In fact they want to they want you to so convince you're so powerless. No matter what, we're going to take your guns from you, your guns rights from you, your protections from you. We're going to rob you of your right to spend time with your family and tell you what's a holiday and what's not based on these mandates and lockdowns. We're going to tell you over the air you can't even hug your own grandchildren because we're now going to profess a lie that non-sick children are a super spreader of a disease to you. Oh, by the way, we told you the vaccine works, and so you volunteered for it, elderly citizens and grandparents. But now we're going to tell you you can't be around your grandchildren or your children who aren't vaccinated, which actually is them admitting to you the vaccine doesn't work. You just don't even hear it. So they have done a great way of cohesively articulating fear, anxiety, and powerlessness in a lot of us. And the truth is, many times I've had to reference to people, including doctors in this movement. I've actually looked at them, like Dr. Peter McCullough and others, and I said, are you a coward or are you a leader? (laughs) Martin Luther King never made an excuse why not to show up at a rally or a march in any city in the United States uh, if there was something more controversial going to be presented at that event. No, he would always show up. These are leaders of men and women who actually are passionate about something and then demand change and then act, and those actions are what lead to change. And so you've seen it with the civil rights movement, the women's rights movements. There have been changes. Even though Martin Luther King Jr. was murdered, there still were positive actions that came from that, no matter what the attempts and the threats were uh, or the powerlessness he might have felt as a minority person considered then in this country, as an African-American. He didn't care. He knew that there was something more important to fight for and stand for. And no matter what it took, he was going to walk, call, rally, uh, and he was going to show up. And uh, too, too too far often, too many of us don't show up. And I really do think people ask me nonstop for the last three and a half years, why don't more people stand up like you do, Dr. Artis? I've never been busier in my entire life in the last three and a half years. And I retired <laughs> in 2018. And I had 16,000 yeah. patients in 10 years in my practice in uh, Texas. So this was mm-hmm. a, I mean, I was very busy. I have never been busier than I have been in the last three and a half years. And it's really been trying to protect and articulate and educate more and inspire people that you don't have to be afraid. And the reason why that was so important to me was they killed my father-in-law in in a hospital in February 2020 using the similar protocols they used on COVID patients that was declared to be the accepted only COVID-19 protocol in hospitals was three months after my father-in-law was killed. And I've said it more and more every day as I do interviews and presentations from stages all over the country that I guess the other doctors didn't have an experience like I did where I watched an industry murder my loved one right in front of me and in front of my wife's family. Mm -hmm. And they did it all by lying to them and then physically abusing me and having me escorted out of that hospital three days earlier by security guards and refusing to talk to me, which uh, is totally barbaric, totally my opinion, like a Nazi Holocaust camp. Uh, You were manipulating, destroying the integrity of individuals, dismissing them, no respect for or, dis, or, or regard for their human life, and you don't mind experimenting on them and killing them in front of their loved ones, which is exactly what they did in these Holocaust camps. From May of 2020, I've said this is going to be in every ICU in America. It is going to be a genocide of all the elderly, and they've set it up this way to be so, and they did. They killed 1.5 million people, Greg, in the year of 2020 in America. Do you know how many people uh-huh. died worldwide from COVID? 2.2 million How is it possible 1.5 million people died in the United States of America when in the whole world only 2.2 million people died from COVID, supposedly? There was only one thing the United States did differently in treating all patients in their country that no other country did in the year of 2020. We were the only country that pumped remdesivir into the veins of every COVID-19 hospitalized American. Remdesivir wasn't even allowed to be exported from America until the end of 2020. And that's how they set up this massive lie that COVID is killing people in America. No, it wasn't. Remdesivir was killing people, and the ventilator protocol was killing people. It wasn't, it wasn't COVID. Everybody else supposedly got COVID in the whole world. How come the United States of America, that has less than 4% of the world's population, how is it possible there was 96% more people on the entire planet than there was in America, and they mm-hmm. supposedly were all exposed to the same damn virus? How is it possible the three point or 4.7% population of America had over 50% of all the deaths worldwide? There's only one thing they did that no yeah. one else did.
1: Remdesivir. Well, they did Puff two things. Did things
5: the, the ventilator
1: uh, protocol. Yep, and they did the, the remdesivir plus the ventilator. So I heard a lot of, there's a new study out about uh, bacterial pneumonia. This will kill most yep. people in the ventilators. Oh, yes, absolutely.
5: And they're actually engineering this is very important. Did you know they're engineering bacteria and yeast called E. coli to replicate and synthetically manufacture the venomous spike proteins of COVID? And this is why I started telling people two years ago, y'all better be careful. They have engineered E. coli bacteria and yeast that they're putting in your food, in your water, that they're exposing <laughs> us to in our environment, and that will replicate in the presence of venoms, more venoms in those cells. And then anybody who's a diabetic who has the inability to control blood sugar, they will right. have concomitant at the same time, bacteria infections, yeast infections that will replicate those venoms in their presence, no matter how they expose it to them. And that's exactly what they're using. It's called genetic and biological engineering.
1: So that's the scariest part to me because I can I not take the vaccine. I can you know control a whole bunch of things. But what I can't do is, is, uh, is know which food because they're not, not going to label it. You know, they label GMO food, but they're not going to label, you know, vaccine-engineered. And E. coli uh, is from the colon. That's poop bacteria. It is, yep. So they use E.
5: coli bacteria. And if you haven't traced this, you know, the CDC has been tracking in 1,600 sites around America for the last Mm -hmm. three and a half years. They've been PCR testing your water in your city, looking for COVID as their only predictor of an outbreak in your town. So they're looking in your wastewater that you poop from. Mm -hmm. they're they're your wastewater. So as you flush the toilet, they're testing your poop water for COVID. Now this should be very telling. They tell you, Greg, that Mm COVID-19 was a respiratory virus. That means you breathe it into your lungs. Mm -hmm. You know, what's weird about that viruses in the lungs. Don't get to the gut unless you ate it or swallowed it because you swallow Mm -hmm. from your mouth, it goes down your esophagus and your stomach and into your intestine. This is interesting. Why are they looking for the virus in your poop water when uh, it? they're telling you it's actually in your lungs, which you're exhaling? Why would they be looking in water? That's not where it goes. So they, if you backtrack that, it goes, they're, they're going from the water up into your anus, into your intestines, which is where they're telling you the source of the stuff in the water is, and they're uh-huh. telling you that is going to correlate to a predictor of an outbreak in your town. It never was that. You actually were either ingesting it or swallowing it. And uh, Dr. Chetty M.D. out of South Africa in January of this year, I don't know if you've seen his interviews. In January of this year, he had long-hauler COVID patients. They took their stool samples because these people kept getting sick with COVID with all their neurological and bowel symptoms and heart symptoms. And he couldn't Mm -hmm. make the symptoms go away. So he took their stool samples, sent them to a scientist in Italy named Carlo Bragna, and said, can you evaluate their stools? There's something in their body I can't identify. That guy ran three different lab tests on all the fecal matters of all the long hauler COVID patients, and this is what he found, and published and then sent back to Dr. Chetty for his patients. He said, in their bodies, there is a bacteria replicating sea C- C- snail venoms called cone snail venoms, conotoxins, also oh, those is replicating snake. and it's replicating snake venom peptides and proteins. And there are also these bacteria replicating starfish venoms out of the ocean. Starfish venom. I know about He's them, like too. these bacteria yeah. in their body replicating that stuff. And uh, anyway, so this guy says, finally, this explains that the bacteria are being instructed to replicate venom proteins that they call spike proteins. And these venom proteins are the only thing, Dr. Chetty says, that explains for three and a half years of COVID, Every symptom of COVID, the neurological side of COVID, every venom causes neurotoxicity. Every venom causes blood toxicity or blood damage. And he goes on to explain the clots and the strokes we're seeing with COVID and the vaccines finally are explained with these venoms. And then number three, the venoms perfectly explain the multiple organ failure in COVID, remdesivir, and vaccine injury. Finally, the venom explains it all. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, I wasn't the one that published it. I just made sure the whole world knew it. No, I, I think it's
1: fascinating. Kind of um, for this that. is amazing. Um, so let's get back to Nick and If you have just a couple more minutes, I want to find out sure. how should we protect ourselves from this. Um, I find it fascinating that I, I had COVID way back when, January, never did anything other than that. I've not, here's something weird too. Not only have I been immune to COVID ever since I had it at the beginning of January, 2020, I haven't gotten sick with anything. I had like a mild cold after the colonoscopy check. And I was trying to pick up a little quick bug in the hospital, but I haven't been sick with anything. I haven't got a cold in three years. Usually I get like That's one tough. a year. So why? So, so here's a, here's a weird thing for you. Is it possible that those of us that had, COVID and let our immune systems take care of it, develop some really good immune systems as long as they're not polluted or destroyed with, with uh, vaccine crap and things like that. But are now, have you, do we have enhanced immune systems that are now more immune to man-made viruses because of our, of our body's experience with COVID virus?
5: Well, if you, if you trust published literature, there's a university in St. Louis, Missouri, called the University of Washington at St. Louis. And Mm -hmm. in June of 2020, they actually had their scientists and their labs evaluate bone marrow of all COVID-19 infected patients. Mm -hmm. And they said in every single patient, 100% of them, that they had as a result of getting COVID and having symptoms of COVID. They were publishing and continue to do that till this day that inside the bone marrow and bloodstream of every COVID patient after they had the infection, they have evidence of what is called long living Plasma cells from their bone marrow, and these long living plasma cells mean you have lifelong immunity to whatever you were exposed to, called SARS-CoV-2. So they've continued to publish Hmm. that you're going to have lifelong immunity from whatever it was you were exposed to, as -hmm. long as you're being exposed to the same thing over and over and over again. And
1: uh, that's what I've never been saying. Anyway, so yeah, okay. So
5: don't take the vaccine; it'll shut off your immune system. Now you'll be sick all the time. (laughs)
1: <laughs> exactly. That's what I, I, I I refuse to ever have another shot again, but I decided that a long time ago. Um, just one last thing, nicotine, and then tell me about uh, websites and anything else like that. Nicotine, yeah. how, do we take it, get it, get a patch? What do we do? Yeah,
5: this is great. So out in Washington, D.C., there's a U.S. Navy admiral who sent me a paper,
1: literally a research paper about
5: two days ago. Yesterday I went through the whole paper and read it, and it was uh-huh. interesting because this guy out of D.C. sent it to me because it was published this year, January of 2023, researchers were researching nicotine for long-hauler COVID patients. And that's all their symptoms that they've been living with for two years now. And they have Mm -hmm. four case studies in the paper, and I'll tell your audiences how to use it. They took long-hauler COVID patients who had neurological symptoms, vertigo, brain fog, Parkinson's, tremors, seizures, you name it, uh, loss of taste and smell, which are neurological, tachycardia, myocarditis, which is tachycardia's arrhythmia of the heart, changes in your heart rhythm, myocarditis, is inflammation of the heart with pain in your chest. They took all those people, and they only gave them a 7-milligram nicotine patch to wear for six days. Put on the patch. These patches for nicotine, if you've never used one, are in mm-hmm. 7, 14, and 21-milligram sizes. All they told these people was wear 7-milligram patches, the smallest dose one, wear one every day, and take it off and wear it again, a new one, the next day for six days. And then stop. Every single neurological symptom these long hauler COVID patients had all disappeared in the first three days of using the nicotine patch. By day six, and they followed them for six months, even though they only took nicotine patches for six days, they followed them for six months later. So after six days, every single one of their symptoms was remitted and never came back for six months. And they didn't do anything else. No other supplements, no other food changes, no dietary changes. All they did was wear a 7-milligram patch for six days and then stop. And every single heart arrhythmia, every single tremor, seizure, uh, ringing in your ears, tinnitus, they call that, all vertigo Mm -hmm. associated with the dizziness of uh, vertigo and tinnitus, Mm -hmm. all of that disappeared. All their loss of taste and smell disappeared by day three in every case. And uh, just so you know, I forevermore and since November of last year wear a nicotine patch every day. And I buy 14 milligram sizes and I cut them into six equal pieces. That <laughs> equals about two to three milligrams of nicotine a day. And I just okay. put one on each side of my ribs. You know why I do that? To prevent no. COVID and all of the variants. Yeah. And it prevents and protects against binding of every virus in the world, which should explain now anybody paying attention to mainstream media. This last year, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, the great United States of America and England have all published in the mainstream media they are going to restrict access to nicotine products for all their citizens and each of the countries has an agenda to restrict and remove all access to nicotine products by the year 2030. Um, Only New Zealand is even more aggressive than that. They said they're going to remove all access to nicotine products for their citizens by the year 2025. Well, let's educate your audiences on this. Do you know that nicotine is found in eggplants? Cauliflower, celery, potatoes, tomatoes, green tomatoes have 10 times more nicotine than red tomatoes. And do you know that every nightshade vegetable, zucchinis and all of them, have nicotine in them? I think you guys might want to focus on eating those veggies that have nicotine in them as they try to destroy your ability to get access to nicotine agents like patches, pouches, and gums, and e-cigs. They're all putting together agendas to take away the access of nicotine products that God put in plants that perfectly protect our cells from every virus and from every venom. And just so you know, this is why smokers still, three and a half years later, smokers who have lung disease and sickness were the least affected by COVID-19 never to be infected, with the least, hospitals, and the least yeah. to die from COVID-19 in general. They yeah, always publish that. in April 2020, nicotine circulating in the blood of smokers is protective against the venom spike proteins and the virus from causing disease. In fact, you know what else binds to nicotine receptors? Greg? What? In Action News. Action you know that ivermectin binds to alpha-7 nicotine receptors, just like nicotine does? but nicotine oh. is 30 times more powerful than ivermectin. So a lot of people, Greg, from around the world, when they would tell me, Dr. Ars, so I've been doing uh, ivermectin for a year now and I still have my long-haul of COVID symptoms, so I'd go like this, just chew two milligram gum of a nicotine gum and within 30 <laughs> minutes, Greg, all their symptoms would disappear. 30 minutes to 45 minutes, all their symptoms would disappear, but they were on ivermectin the whole time. The truth is, nicotine binds to these receptors that are nicotine receptors They're not ivermectin receptors, they're nicotine receptors. God designed the body to have nicotine receptors on every cell of the human body. Why? If we weren't supposed to benefit from it in our food. You were, and the globalists know it, the pharmaceutical industry knows it. In fact, Greg, they're taking the same venoms they find in COVID-19 patients, cobra Uh venom, crepe venom called bungalow toxin, and cone snail venom during this three years of the pandemic. I have published papers, and I'm going to be doing presentations at conferences this whole next year. During the pandemic, they're taking the same COVID-19 venoms to cause COVID, and they're injecting them into animals in labs around the world, in universities around the world during the pandemic. And they are creating within 72 hours these four diseases that are supposedly irreversible. Parkinson's disease, in yep. 72 hours or less. They can create brain tumors called glioblastoma in 72 hours or less. They can create a type 1 diabetic animal in 72 hours or less, actually in 24 hours or less. And they can also create a viral myocarditis patient in less than 72 hours with these venoms. And in every single paper, Greg, every <laughs> single study, yeah. that they're using venom to cause irreversible human diseases during the pandemic they are publishing what the antidote is and experimenting with it in the paper. And every single paper, they're only using nicotine. And they're experimenting with the doses of nicotine, and they publish the dose that within 72 hours of administering nicotine, they are reversing Parkinson's that they created, they're reversing type 1 diabetes within 24 to 72 hours that they created with nicotine, and then they're also... They're actually creating the antidote as nicotine. They're creating the type 1 diabetes with the venoms. They're also creating brain tumors in 72 hours or less with venoms and then reversing it in 72 hours and showing you the entire tumor obliterated in 72 hours, just giving a specific dose of nicotine. And then viral myocarditis. They can reverse that 100% in 14 days or less with just nicotine administered to the body of the animal. And so they know what nicotine does and they know it prevents turbo cancers from the vaccine. And
1: from I was just going to ask about they cancers. That's my next, cancer. next question, yeah.
5: Yep, clots and strokes. They know how to prevent that using nicotine. All of these things are prevented with nicotine. Nicotine was always the antidote. They just didn't want you to know that. This is why they hmm. tried so hard, Greg, to tell everybody since May of 2020 in the media, Anthony Fauci included, they all went into newscasts, newsrooms, and started publishing interviews saying to the whole world this whole time,
1: Smokers, you're the highest risk for getting COVID. Everybody should quit smoking. There's be- no better time than this pandemic <laughs> to quit smoking. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, really? I don't remember that, but because uh, I was looking at so much other. Oh, really? Uh, that's fascinating. So, does nicotine hurt you? I, I hear it's addictive, and that's why people can't quit smoking. Um, but yeah, that's uh, a great question. It wouldn't hurt you. Does it hurt you to to just uh, you know chew on a nicotine gum once a week just to coat your cells so they don't get uh, venom coating? I mean, that's what the, the yeah. nicotine is replacing the venom, the snake, all all the different venoms out there. So does it hurt people at all? Is it, can you just like, do you, is a patch better than the gum or what's, what's the best way to do it? Or does it just depend on yeah. what you want to do? Yeah, that's a great question.
5: Yeah. So nicotine, to get rid of the worries about it being addictive, I'll, I'll ask you, I just told you nicotine's found in those different veggies. Have you ever found someone addicted to celery? It just had to have a celery break at work. Have you ever heard that before? I need my celery break, boss, because uh, I'm addicted <laughs> to celery.
1: Only people want to uh, lose no. weight, celery one of the highest sources. Because I, I, I love celery, and my I make this great salmon, you know, sub, uh, salmon uh, salad thing. I stop eating bread. <laughs> it's good, I don't need the carbs. But uh, yeah, good. that's, that's awesome. celery, onions, garlic, and all that stuff gets thrown <laughs> yeah, in. That's awesome. Yeah. So
5: okay. I'll, I'll just. I'll try to negate this for people because a lot of people were afraid at first to try to use nicotine because they were worried it was addictive. And why do they think it's addictive? That's why I asked. they've been telling you for decades it's addictive in the media and publishing it. But Mm -hmm. Harvard in 2015, y'all can all look it up at home, Google, nicotine Harvard study 2015, Mm -hmm. nicotine not addictive. Harvard did animal studies for over a year and could not make a single animal addicted to nicotine. So they had hmm. FOIA requests of the tobacco giants, and they wanted to know how would you make tobacco and nicotine addictive because we can't make it addictive. <laughs> and the, the paperwork given to them from the R&D departments of all cigarette and tobacco manufacturers, they discovered in their research and development p- papers from the 70s and 80s that they too knew that nicotine and tobacco wasn't addictive. They published it in their own writings and papers. So they had to find a chemical they could add to tobacco and nicotine to make it addictive. And what they came up with was a chemical called pyrazines. It's in the Harvard papers and articles. Pyrazines, P-Y-R-A-Z-I-N-E-S, are chemicals used in food manufacturing to give foods, processed foods aromas or smells. But pyrazines are addictive chemicals. And they found that when they added pyrazines to nicotine, they could finally make nicotine addictive. When they added it to tobacco plants. With nicotine, they can make tobacco and the nicotine more addictive and addictive. So this is how they made an addictive product from a substance that's not addictive. But they were able to lie to all of you. That's an addictive, disease-causing agent. Also, in those papers, they found arsenic was added to the papers of cigarettes. What happens when arsenic is inhaled into the lungs of a human? Do you know?
1: For uh, every cigarette
5: I know poison, that's out there, I, I
1: know
5: arsenic I know is po- known, Yeah, arsenic is a known cancer-causing metal. So oh, okay. as you're inhaling arsenic, you're going to develop lung cancer over time. And then they added sugar to the tobacco leafs in the cigarettes and sugar in the lungs. When you inhale sugar as a vapor, it suppresses your immune system. So now you have a suppressed immunity in your lungs and arsenic, a known carcinogen. And guess what you're going to get? Cancer development. But then what did they tell you? Tobacco products cause cancer. Oh, no, no. The chemicals you added to the tobacco product causes cancer and uh anyway so this is a bit of massive fraud that they have uh, made sure that everyone believed but it is not an addictive substance i recommend two milligram gum they have two milligram and four milligram i only recommend the two milligram, and i would chew it for 10 minutes and spit it out And you can do that several times a day or do it just once a day preventatively my wife does two or three every day and has never had an issue except all of her long-haul or COVID symptoms disappeared on the third day of using nicotine gum after two years. That was just the benefit. Now, now she just continues to do it for preventive reasons. I wear a yes, two-milligram patch every day, and I yeah. will for the rest of my life, and I won't take it off. I mean, I take it off to replace it with a new one every day, but nicotine is not addictive, especially at these smaller doses at all. That's
1: interesting. Yeah, I can get the nicotine gum. I'm not as likely to do the patch. They just seem weird, and they'll probably fall off. But I think the gum, 10 minutes of gum chewing, I can do that. I can do that before acting radio. It would be great. Especially if it's not. So people smoked for, if you have to go, let me know because you know me. I'll just keep asking you questions. I do Um, do need to go. Oh, okay. So last one. So people smoked for hundreds of years, you know, and uh, with tobacco and they didn't get addicted to it, did they? All the Europeans for 500 years, you know, since tobacco, it only became addictive when the the, the companies put the stuff in it, right?
5: Yep. And right now the FDA, if you go to, if anybody's interested in the kind of stuff I talk about, go to fda.gov. Uh, or type in google fda.gov 600 chemicals tobacco the fda has right now a 600 chemical list 600 chemicals that they have approved the tobacco industry and allowed them to put in tobacco products to do what make it more deadly and toxic tobacco never was addictive or toxic or deadly unfortunately in its own natural state and uh but they have now figured out how to bastardize it adulterate it and make it toxic for you just like they do with wheat here in america by adulterating it with herbicides and pesticides and chemicals, denature the protein of wheat. And then most of Americans now are gluten intolerant, which is the protein in wheat all of us were able to process before, but now mm-hmm. you've destroyed that that uh, actual protein structure with chemicals. And we have bills and laws in this country that say any wheat harvested, sold in this country has to be processed with chemicals first before it reaches your mouth or before it reaches your table or your home. And, uh, unfortunately, uh, that same action is destroying and causing disease states worldwide,
1: and yep. our ability Sim- to process those foods. Hmm. We have a lot of legislative work to do, and I, I, and we can
5: sell drugs too.
1: Yeah, I need, I need a whole division of Action Radio working on big pharma reversals uh, and all this kind of stuff. Yep. Brian, thank you so much for your time. I don't like I said, I don't want to keep you. I could. <laughs> Sorry for misunderstanding earlier. Yep. I'll, we'll yeah, figure we, out what we, we've but, done this uh, for hours
5: before with the group of us, but uh, yes, I have other interviews uh, I need to get to you in the next
1: ten minutes. Okay, that's fine. But listen, I think we, we did pretty well considering I, I didn't know. I actually did find your phone number. I, I have trouble, trouble reading numbers, but that was great. Thank you. So let me know what I can do to help you or with the bills or anything that, uh, that we can do here. So get me off air and, uh, you know, happy to help you out. Thank you, sir.
5: Greg, I'm proud of you. Great job with uh, Action News Radio. Keep it up.
1: I will. Absolutely. Contact information for you real quick, website?
5: Yep. So thedoctorartistshow.com is my website. Also, we have what's called the Artist Club Experience. I now are, am uh, creating a community here. We just launched a couple of weeks ago but uh, where people can do Q&As with me privately every two weeks. I actually give additional benefits. Obviously, there's a whole write-up at the Dr. Artist Show for those who are interested. It's monthly subscriptions, annual subscriptions where I educate you, create protocols for you to keep you and your family members at home safe uh, from the lies and deceptions that are being con- continuously propagandized in the world uh, to keep us confused, afraid, and anxious, and then make us volunteer ourselves to the people in white coats that we see as authority figures and all-knowing to accept their drugs and vaccines. They're nothing more than drug pushers, drug dealers, when the pharmaceutical drug cartels. And uh, they are only told what they want them to know by their medical institutions and pharmaceutical reps. So to help navigate those lies and deceits, that's when I created the Artist Club Experience, because it's what I've been doing for the last three and a half years. Now I can do it in a more intimate setting, which is exciting.
1: Sounds good. Well, sounds like, I mean, I'm proud of you, too. I'm proud to know you and all the work that you're doing is, is fabulous. I think I'll go get some nicotine gum and uh, see if I can uh, knock out some of those, uh, you know, snake venom. And remember, that, where where do I get them from? I don't even know. I'm pretty healthy. I feel fine. I feel fine for years. That's great. Yes, yeah.
5: sir. And yeah, nicotine yeah. products can be purchased online. There's a brand called Lucy and Rugby that are very good products. Rugby's probably the cleanest as far as chemicals. But you can go to, like, CVS, Walgreens to get the Nicorette versions, or they're off-brands. You can get Patches Gums anywhere at those uh, places, and it's over-the-counter. You can just ask the re- registered person to give it to you, and uh, they'll give it to you. But uh, remember, good. in the studies... For all long hauler COVID patient symptoms or vaccine Mm -hmm. injuries, the dosage is 7 milligrams a day. So if you're buying 2-milligram gum and you have symptoms that are lingering, Mm -hmm. just make sure you, throughout the day, do that three times a day at least to get the 6 milligrams or close to the 7 milligrams. And then you should see all of your symptoms start to remit. And within six days, all of it should be over with, which is phenomenal. Wow.
1: Otherwise, just 2 milligrams, 10 minutes of uh, 2-milligram gum should do it for just normal yep. prevention. That's okay. Exactly right. Love it. That's you're fascinating. Awesome. Yeah. You're awesome, yep. too. Thank you. Take care. Yes, Good luck with your other right, reviews. Well. They won't be as interesting, but, you know, that's that's just how it goes with the action radio. We have they the will best never question, be as think. interesting as action news <laughs> radio. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just pat myself on the back. Those are all, all the action hits. You bet. Right. Man, we got the bills. The all right. Way. Well, God bless you, Greg. We'll talk to you later. God bless you, too. Thanks. Bye, Brian. Wow, <laughs> that that was amazing. Uh, talk about a a, a spontaneous interview. Um, so uh, yeah, things happen. You know, things get goofy. It could, it could be. I uh, maybe I forgot to write on something. I have literally nothing on my calendar um, as far as him uh, being here. And so it's uh, it's quite fascinating. In fact, I had somebody else was was possibly going to call in that didn't work out. So it's just life is crazy around here. <laughs> I don't care. I had a fabulous interview. We ran it overtime. I got uh, just a ton of time with Brian, which is always good. And we'll see. Uh, you know, now i got to figure out what happened, which is kind of interesting. Anyway, back tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Central Time. Um, our main website, so the show is at blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. The, uh, our latest set of website, all the stuff we've been talking about, writeyourlaws.com, and the website will tell you how to find, you know, all the laws that we're working on and, uh, and where to get those. Uh, contributions, give, send, com slash actionradio. Uh, my Substack of all the, the cool information uh, is at gregpengliss.substack.com. And my email, my public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. So let me see what the, my musical selection for Wednesday is. Ah, here we go. I'll play that for you. I played all the other stuff I need to play. So let's get a little music out here. And we'll be back tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Central Time. What a great thing happened. I really was going to shut the show down. I, I, I came in like five minutes of saying, okay, I've had enough. <laughs> I just don't like reading articles. It's nowhere near as much fun as actually talking to uh, real people like Brian. So that was cool. Back tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Central Time. We'll do it all again.